In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Looking to buy or sell a home? Look no further than Alaska's number one real estate team at alaskashometeam.com. Decades of local experience knowledge and expertise in the competitive real estate market. Alaska's home team makes buying or selling your home a breeze. Give them a call today at 907-277-3777. Lady with the plan, your own Alaska event planner. From scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details, specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings, retreats, birthdays, bridal, and baby showers. Find Lady with the plan on Instagram. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products, such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. So, Ron, I wanted to ask you, um, how old is that wild man's hat? Mm, I think about five years old. Five years? When I seen the color, I had to have it. Oh, okay. Just that, rolling through there one that, time? Yeah. I go. Th- I used to go there quite a bit. Oh, okay. Homer was my second house. Gotcha. A cup of coffee, a corn dog, wild man hat, hit the road? No, you don't even know. <laughs> it's 4.1 quarter hour, and I don't put my oh. foot off that gas until I see Homer. Okay. No stopping just nowhere. Go. Just go. This okay. just happened in morning times. I had to go real bad. Okay. <laughs> and I had to have a hat. Well, Wildman's one of our favorite places in all of the world, uh, given that we're all Russian River, Kenai River fishermen. And that's just the 
last stop before you hit the road, grab some Excellent. ice and Yeah, I got a funny story about um Bob man. man. Yeah. I don't oh. know if I should actually say it though. I feel bad. Okay, I already Let started. It rip, man. I, okay, yeah, so there's I that mean, coffee shop that's right in the front right there. Yeah. yeah. And um before I think before Wild Man's was really big, there was the, I think it was the owner of the coffee shop lady that used to run it and she was kind of hippie-ish and she had long dark hair. He threw I mean, her daughter in there. Okay. She was dragging the crowd. Go ahead. Okay. Well, she okay. she had she was a very very nice lady and you know, I even started the punch card and me and my buddy Kendo, oh, yeah. um who owned the food uh Thai food uh truck down by um Ship Creek and uh we would go all the time all the time and and this lady um at some point she like lost lost her one of her front teeth. Uh-huh. But she still had like the root exposed. Well, and, yeah. then, oh, and then and and I know, but so we would go all the time, and she was she was like in love with Kendo, man. She would just oh. like hook him up and all that stuff, and and I, I saw I started calling the lady Rutabaga, and <laughs> <laughs> and she would just hook him up, and I was trying to connect them all and all that stuff, yeah. and I would just be like, Kendo, just get in, just give it a little, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and old Rutabaga. And he just was like, would never take the bait. And she was always just like, I don't know if she was married or not, but it just seemed like she had some real extra customer service whenever Kendo came by in his truck and his rafts and, and ordering his coffee with 18 sugars. Kendo like, on the yeah. Mendo. Yeah. yeah. Just come get some sweet noodles. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Alaska Wild Project oh. episode 41. Um, we are here today with Ron Pay. Thank you, Ron, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Um, Ron is one of the... Um, originators, founders. founders of the Wet Dog Race. And the Jet Ski Club. And the Jet Ski wow, Club. Is the Jet Ski hmm. Club Alaska Jet Ski Club or yes. is it Anchorage? Yep, got a polar bear on it, Alaska Jet Ski Club. Okay, so that's encompassing everyone. Yep. Does there try to be like Anchorage or Big Lake or any of that or it's all in one? Well, to be funny, I don't think anybody else has a, enough group to really want to do it and... Most people don't even want to go out into the uh, unchartable waters out on Turnigan. Yeah. So just pretty much myself and a few others ever want to go out there and ride it. It's If you don't know your tides, you don't know the glaciers and the silt and the runoff and the sandbars, you can get yourself hung up, which I've learned the hard way. Yeah. Well, anytime someone thinks of jet skiing, I, I mean, in Alaska, the first thing I think of is like Big Lake, yeah. you know, or any of the little lakes that you can go. Yeah. Um, and, no one I've know of is like jet skied in the ocean unless you go to you know maybe Mexico well, or there's that, like that whole group like that of surfers that I'm familiar with that would you know go out to Bear Glacier for a long time but that's not a long ride and I think there's a few people bold enough to go to Montague. I've supported the uh, people that wanted to ride the wave, and I picked one of the larger waves and supported that quite a few years uh-huh. in a row. But the, which wave? Uh, the um, tsunami that comes in or not the oh, tsunami, but yeah, the, the, the tidal the board tide. tide that comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And some of the larger ones that we that I was a part of was eh, about two, two and a half feet. Yeah. Which is pretty tall. Yeah. And uh anyhow, back yeah, in the day. That's cool. Yeah. I had to do something. Well let's back it up to your your kind of your roots, your beginning of of jet ski love of the love of the sport. Um and let's start there. What did you start like everyone else around here at Big Lake or no. I was born in Germany, okay. and my mom and dad, my dad was a military man, and after being born in Germany and raised for the bounce-back period, and I won't stretch this out too long because it'll get pretty long-winded, but two and a half to three and a half years is a cycle. So as I turn three, I'm back to the States. As I turn six, I'm already back to Europe again. 
So back to school, back to the States, back to uh, Europe, back again, back to the U.S. and everywhere from Pennsylvania to Alaska, to uh, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Minnesota, Oregon, all these different odd states. As I was a youngster, just turning my sixth birthday, I'm on my dad's shoulders as he's water skiing. No life jacket. Mom screaming at a fit, okay? And I'm like got the biggest permagrant on my face. Ever since that moment, the water wings have spread. So I wasn't even seven, and I got my own canoe, okay? And it moved on from there. So the water thing has really been a, a big thing. I mean, I was on the swim team. I won. I got trophies out the wazoo both in Europe and in the U.S. for long-distance swimming, underwater swimming, being able to longest hold your breath, uh, there's just there's a lot there, so I'll just kind of get off all that and move on. But during graduation, I've already signed myself up to go into the military, and I was already graduated technically in my sophomore year because I started school and was ahead of the curve and did the challenging back when it was allowed. Mm-hmm. So I've already signed my paperwork at 17. Mm. Let me back up. I'm driving a moped at 12, <laughs> buying parts for my Chevelle at 14. Driving the Chevelle and wrecking it at 15 and repairing it before I may even search the 16th birthday. <laughs> so, head of the curve is kind of what I'm trying to give you. The, yeah. the, the, the background is kind of where I've been. So, uh, another synopsis on that is I'm fishing with my dad. Water fanatic. If we ever got a hook hung on something... In the water I went, got the hook undone, back in the boat I went, and dad's having a fit, okay? Stay in the boat. Don't keep yeah, jumping out. Yeah. I know you can swim, but you don't need to show me. <laughs> so here it is, always going out fishing, and there's a... The lures you know, aren't cheap, you know? The, exactly. And, and you know, being a kid with no money, it's like, we ain't losing no, you know, $6 lure and bobbin and hook, and the freaking worm costs more than everything else. I'm getting it back. That's right. So anyhow, caught turtles and gator and all kinds of stuff i'll get off all that but anyhow so here we are fishing i'm seven and he, my dad had a cooler and back in the day you put ice in with your with your minnows and then you put your worms in kind of like a little container and you kept them warm in my head at that time i'm thinking you got a trolling motor why can't we have something electric that takes care of that cooler instead of all that freaking ice we got to pack mm. i had to pack to the boat yeah we'll get off that wagon but anyhow <laughs> So here it is, years later, I catch on. You know what? I should have thought of that, too. They have an electric cooler heater now. You plug in your cigarette lighter. One way it cools, one way it heats. At the time, I thought, I missed my freaking calling. So anyway, I just want to get off that bandwagon, but, you know, fishing. Do they have so, the solar cooler yet? I don't know. That's Me and my question. brother are talking about the solar cooler. Mm-hmm. I know what yeah. you can do, so though, cool. is if you yeah. get the 12-volt cooler I'm talking about that does exist. Mm-hmm. Then you put your solar panel on it. It's yeah. already doing 12 volts, done and done, if they don't make it. Yeah, look. Actually, I never seen. Oh, there you go. The gun, the go sun, and there goes the idea. Already, already. Yeah, they're thousand dollars. Nope. Yep, that's it. And yeah, they're pricey. But think about that. You never have to buy ice again. Again, period. Yeah, period. Yeah. I it. wonder if that would really work up here. Well, in the summer, I guess you get a lot. Of I, I wonder about the technology of that because whenever we go out on these hunts and all that stuff, or you know, fishing, and you bring the the rechargeable one for your phone, yeah. like it could barely even charge that. Yeah, it takes all you know? day to charge a phone. Yeah, but it's yeah. getting better. I'm it's getting better. All that it's stuff's like, getting real better. That's why you got to get the kind that's waterproof and it takes a little bit of durability, and it can and it's a multifacet where it accepts the sun. Mm-hmm. Some of them are like mm-hmm. a direct on. They got now where they're reflective and it catches. It can be horizon and sunset, and it'll still pick it up. Mm. They're getting better. Looks pretty fancy. Yeah. It does look pretty. I bet it's heavy. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder how many amps it needs to operate. We're looking at the oh the bougie RV. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, that looks bougie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I when was when did you uh, first get on a jet ski? Uh, that was been I was in the military, and that's what I was alluding to. Is, okay. Uh, graduated high school, went to the military. Seventeenth birthday is in basic training. Eighteenth birthday is I'm just getting into jump school and getting into the 82nd Airborne. And I was initiated by a bunch of cool fellows and friends that just all of a sudden bonded with me because I was the youngest that has ever stepped foot in the 82nd mm. because of my early entry program, my head of the scholastics and grades. And they blah, embraced blah, blah. it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so. But you uh, had to show up too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Well, I mean, right. Like you, had for, to, you, had to, you had to be enough to guys, get there. Yeah. 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 And so back in the day, this is big when Falkland Islands was the hottest subject. The Grenada, a lot of that was going on. So, okay. So anyhow, um, um, on my off time, I owned a Honda Hurricane motorcycle, and I would cut my drive from North Carolina to Florida down to about six-ish hours, which is normally a nine-hour run. <laughs> okay? So we'll just get off that, but I'll move on. So of all that, there were races that were going on in Florida. So on my weekends, I'd already got a jet ski at the age jet of ski races. 20. Yep. Okay. And they were just local. They weren't nothing big. Before Riva was a big thing, which now is one of the biggest jet ski producers and um, backers Reva? in the world. Riva is in Florida. R-E-V-A? Yep. They do, they do high-end jet skis. They build up the motors. They do hull mods. They do intake mods. They do so much crazy stuff. You could spend 30 k on a jet ski. And you're just barely making it a race bike, a race bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the time, there's little lakes, there's little races. Stand up was big at the time. Okay, not the sit downs. Yes. We're talking stand up. Okay. The originals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where you had to have balance, mm-hmm. agility, and jumping it out of the water wasn't the thought. It was keeping it stuck to the water so you could haul butt. Okay. Uh-huh. In a corner, you're dragging one leg to keep the machine and you connected to the water as you're banking it around the buoy that you're kicking with your knee. Got okay? it. Mm. That's the kind of jet skiing I started out in. Was it on a lake 20, or in the ocean? Lake. All lake. lake. Okay. The ocean stuff didn't come till later. We'll okay. get to that. All lake. Ron, okay. what year was this? Um, 80. I was in the 82nd in 82. Graduated in 81. So... Yeah, 84 mark, 85-ish, wow. somewhere in that category. The colors were probably I know. really nice. I'm antique, so <laughs> sorry to bring up the old age thing, but yeah. I was born in the fine year of antique-ish what, what, what year. What CC the, motors were they running? When they started out, they were kind of small. I think we're barely into three to 400 CCers. They were really small okay. and yeah. carbureted. You didn't mm-hmm. know didn't know about mm-hmm. rolling it the right direction. Uh, the exhausts weren't really tweaked yet. They, a whole lot of problems. You slowed down too quick, you could drown it. You went down too quick and tried to pop back up you'd put water in the intake and it wouldn't filter mm. it properly there's all these problems jet, jet pump linkage was all but to be that original. to be that person that you could practically be running on water i was all about it you mm, loved it i didn't care yeah yeah it was awesome seems like in the mid 80s that was a pretty hot new thing it when was. you're talking like it skiing was. to snowboard well snowboard yeah snowboarding it wasn't until 90s i don't think but just that transition of like boat 
right water skiing right now you kind of and i've already been on skis two, right? i know i jumped over all that but I've, my dad's yeah. already put me on a set of water skis you know yeah. and i've already been able to ski and then i've got to do a little bit of um skateboarding and kind of played around with that as a as a youngster so and was that kind of like the original generation of like stand-ups did did it start in like the late 70s do you know or, i don't or? know the oldest i, I honestly okay. don't know I, I just know when i seen it it caught my eye and Water, there was organized races. A and motorized was, motorcycle on water. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. had to have one. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, It's great. So did you win any of the races? No, but I tried my darndest, okay? And then I was the weekend warrior, so I didn't get to constantly be at it. Yeah. So then I housed it with my folks and back in the military and 13 years of camping and jumping and zipping down on the weekends that I could uh, I could do it. Yeah. And then, What was that first model that you had? I, I can't remember. I'd have to look at pictures and no. pick it over. Dust on that memory cell. Sorry. <laughs> the older you get, the more you'll realize that's true. Oh, here's some pretty ones. Oh, there yeah. we go. There's yeah, some old Kawasaki. I just Googled Kawasaki's. some up. I was just trying to find, like. As a matter of fact, I know a partner that's in Big Lake, and he is a Kawasaki fanatic, and he has a couple of antiques in his trailer. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking oh, yeah. you were kind of running something like this. Yep, here. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's them. Oh, yeah. the now the tiger shark, the old. I think there's a tiger shark that looks a lot like the sit-ons, and those were some of the earlier ones that yeah. we moved on to. And then that was something that I got into. And then now that double seater was too gay. I didn't like all that. Mm-hmm. And then this is that's an old four. That's way too new. I've never seen the two seater. Yeah, funny. there you go. That is where they were transitioning. Uh-huh. That's the transition craft. It's like old, like kind of almost like kneeling. They made like exactly, kneeling. exactly. And then you Carved could actually a bunch of weight. stand on the seat, but the handlebar. Did not come up. Uh, they did not have a telescopic uh, handle, so you know you had you're stuck with that level, and that's what that's what was really a pain. But what you could do, you wanted it what taller, you could do, right? is do what I call buoy. Just sit there and do like that up and down in the water. Just just yeah, just keep doing it because it would handle it. Because yeah. the back end was a lot longer than the stand ups originals, and they they improved the exhaust. They had it where the water wouldn't pushed back into the exhaust. So was the uh, Kawasaki kind of like the lead dog in terms of a good manufactured race? You know, that's a good uh, question. Jet ski back then? I won't lie to I, you. I, you okay. know, I wasn't into, you know, too much of the, the what was happening, what is. I just kind of had it a... It seems like they were... I was like that I mean, kid with a candy. Yeah. That candy caught my eye and I was just all over it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've come a long way. Oh, hell yeah, they have. Have you tried to ride one of those stand-up ones? Oh, yeah, dude. It, I, it hard, always it runs away from me. Yeah, those things are really hard to ride. We nicknamed those water arm rippers. So yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. is it's yeah. got enough oomph to where your arms will leave with the machine, and there yeah. you are going, well, I lost my arms. That's right. And, I mean, they just mm-hmm. turn to butter. I mean, I know I'm being funny about losing your arms, but just working those arms so much, just like when I ride my sit-downs, I like a motocross. The legs, the thighs, the buttocks, the glutes, the back, the arms, the upper pecs, all of it says, what in the hell are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two days of rest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you're just whipped. You get out there, you're just thumped. I mean, you just, we get out there for the first time. We haven't ridden in a while. We just start riding. It's like, we come back, I need a break. Yeah. Yeah, because we're just ripping it. I mean, we don't ride, sit down, and go across the lake. No, it's waves, copping some air. That's, that's what we're up to now. But back yeah. in the day, it was just many get on it and haul butt. You know, there wasn't no real jumping. Little little jumps, but no real jumps. And as you get into it, you start to get into the jumps. You start getting into what's called torpedoing. You want to submarine that bad boy and pop back out of the water. Oh, just just like Waterworld. Yeah. Yeah. Waterworld's like a bunch Waterworld. of crap. It's all fake. <laughs> but anyhow, so that was something I started to do with the stand-up was cup that back end, pull the handle back, dive, poink, 
pow, come right out. Mm, and yeah. that, that was like, oh, now everybody's like, oh, I got their attention now. So I've done that with a sit down, just so you know. We'll get to that. Yeah, pretty sweet. So in those races, was it just like you're going around a, a few buoys for, you know, a few laps around the lake? Back oh, then? no. Oh, no. It's about 15 to 20 laps. And it's usually, I think the course usually stretches out. Mm, quarter miles, I think, is what they were. Some of them were half miles. Some of the, I believe Havasu's races were, I want to say they were five mile races, if I remember right. They weren't. They weren't short. They're mm. lengthy. Yeah, and they're like they're like fifteen laps, and I think they're quarter or half mile loops, and they're not nerd chicane zigzags. It ain't just another left turn. Yeah. You know, you got yeah. all around the buoys, Shifting and and you've got wake to battle. You've got someone else to splash to deal with. You've got if someone cuts close to you or near you, you're not supposed to touch. It's all the same racing aspects where you got to have that dialed in. You can't just be rude and bang and bump and go. You kind of have to be that. There's a water respect with it. Mm. Mm. There's ethics kind of a, a hidden code you can spray him in the face that's legal <laughs> well yeah and I mean, not really that's try. like eating dust yeah but I mean, you go giving a serious bump to his hand. machine and he's on the other side of that buoy then there will be a little foul that's a problem yeah yep. so what were the speeds then oh psh, I, don't, I don't even know they yeah. weren't even speed up speedometers weren't even on these machines until i think not even 10 years ago uh. they, they didn't even have speedos you just went you know the gas gauge was it? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm serious. That's yeah, all they had. And, and now I'm talking about before then, no gas gauge. You had to guess. Mm. Like an 07 Harley, no gas gauge. You got to calculate your mileage. <laughs> and that's wrong. <laughs> anyway, I'll get off that. Well, it's like the old, uh, our old four wheeler we were in Little, the Suzuki, like the King Quad with the blue. You just have to pull out the thing and look at the, oh, the yeah. strip, the yeah, strip in there the that had like strip. the low, the medium. Yeah. <laughs> just dip it. Good thing it. those things awesome. just sipped fuel because you could ride that thing for like. Two yep. weekends in a row, I never run out of fuel. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did was it, were any of those races? Actually, not, now that I think about it, I never seen any sort of televised jet ski race. ESPN Ocho doesn't even have it. You can look up Lake Havasu right now, and there's every year there's a big race. It's called yeah. the World Jet Ski Finals. Okay, but every do, year do they air it somewhere other than YouTube? Um, maybe I believe it's on ESPN. Somewhere on ESPN. it's aired on ESPN. Yep, every year. And I haven't gone the past two years. Every year prior to that, it was every other year I would go. Oh, yeah, and one of the guys I'm talking about that has a stand-up, he's won races down in Havasu. Oh, there it is right there, world finals. Yep, mm-hmm. there you go. That's, That's the starting cool. line. This is where everybody's held. So what they do is you see the guys in the water, they're holding the jet ski up just a little bit so the guys are thumping the throttle so they don't suck up silt or um, beach sand. Oh. Uh-huh. And they're holding it up so they've already got full throttle. Then when... They give you the green. They drop it for you, and that's full throttle already going. This full spray. Oh, yep. Yeah. And that's why you see the guys in the water. That's why you see the guys in the water. Uh, and the bleachers are right behind it. And so right after they take off, the uh, the bleachers, bottom end of the bleachers, usually gets a good spray. Those are all real big guys. The ones holding the jet skiers. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, on that note, on awesome. that note <laughs> notice the jet skiers. They're all lightweight guys around the 150 mark and small oh, framed yeah. because hey. – the lighter the dude, the faster the machine, because they sure. all have to be at the same CC level, right, on the engines. So oh. there, that's a stand-up race. 
No, those are sit downs. Oh, they were. I, yeah, there's sit downs. There's stand up. There's freestyle. Oh, there's okay. different CCs on your sit downs. There's different CCs. What's on a your freestyle? Freestyle means you get to get out and do tricks. Oh yeah, okay. You do that. One dude does a submarine. Does the uh -huh. torpedo. Does a backflip. Does a front flip. Is there jumps like a wave? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. They got they got these uh, um there's like tires that are in the water that float. You know, uh -huh. I don't know what's underneath them—a log or foam or something. All these tires float, and they hit the tire log and then do their tricks. Oh. And then they have some that have a ramp where they'll go up the ramp and do a trick. Ah. And there's um, foam ramps, I think they got. Uh, they, oh, yeah, right there. They yeah. modify. Oh, yeah, uh, this one has like an obstacle course. There you go. Yep. Oh, wow. It's like the connection between the computer and the TV's got a little chop to it there. So put a little plug in. Uh, I'll say Ralph Perez's name. He is a racer in California. There's He's Kyle. an. He's an offshore racer, and he was a part of our uh, wet dog deal. And I'm pretty mm. sure he would mind me throwing well, his name out there. Ron, what's his name? Ralph Perez. Ralph Perez. Yep, and okay. he races in California, and he came up and joined us. And I learned a lot from him as we talked about a lot of different stuff because shore racing is where he deals with all what we dealt with. The waves, the turbulence, the leftover wake from everybody racing in front of you. If there was wind the day of the race, he's dealing with it. So when he went to Havasu, the reason certain ones from Alaska did well in Havasu was because we race and ride in most weather. We don't care what day it is. If we got bad weather, we're doing it because we only got weekend to do it or whatever we time we allotted. Yeah. You go down the race – Everybody's used to flat, calm water with no waves, no wake. Ah. So when you get to race get day, anyway. you get to race day, it's a whole different animal. Because mm. they got to get used to the rough water, the wake, the residue, all that. Ah. That's offshore racing we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ralph Perez. Ralph okay. Perez. He should be there. So where, where, did, um, where did the idea of organized... Offshore jet ski racing start. Good question. Can't answer that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So so we talked about what got you into it. What started in the offshore side? Um, just a new a I kind of got tired of challenge. Lakes. Okay, I got yeah, tired of lakes. Yeah. Um, I feel like jet skiing lakes. gets boring. Let me just throw that out there. Yeah. I am an Alaskan toy freak. Boats, jet I knew skis, I snow machines. I do love jet skis. I love all toys. But the jet ski... It's kind of like the last one on my list. No offense. I got you. I, I just, there's, first off, there's only so much time mm -hmm. in the day, in the summer, and everything to even do um, all of it. But the jet ski is just hard because, like, the, it takes forever for the lakes to go out. They freeze up. It gets cold. It's kind of hard to do it when it's cold because you got to wear, like, a dry suit a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole lake thing is like, oh, man, this is awesome for the weekend. And I... What else do you do? Like, uh, like an expedition. Like, I'm thinking like a snow machine. If you just ride around a rake all, lake all weekend, mm -hmm. it gets boring. Yeah. If you hit a trail, you do an expedition, you do a ride, you find some mountains, you I got you. do a 200-mile round trip or something. It's got some yeah. more adventure to it. So that's where jet skiing to me is always kind of like, eh, it's fun, hot, <laughs> sunny day. But I'm like, eh, once or twice a year and I'm good. I don't really actually need to own one. I'll just rent one once in a while. Or that exact my thought but, is why Ocean is involved okay. and then it's a group, not doing it by yourself. Right. The other side of this is that I'm a toy freak myself. We'll go mm. over that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But I want you to look up an AR230 Yamaha. All right. It is me, twin jet ski engines here. that's in a vessel that can carry 13 people. Is it AR2? What was that again? AR230 Yamaha. It's got twin 1800 jet ski engines in it. Sure. And that's what I've just taken from Lake Louise 
and went all the way up into the river doing a doing a moose hunt or I'm sorry, caribou hunt. Oh, the tie oh, cool. on back in there. And wow. I got pictures where I got up so low that my uh, intake grate, I had to use a fillet knife to cut out all the weeds I sucked up. It gets really low when you get back in that tie. I was in about six inches of water and had to find me a foot and a half pooled area to get back up on step. Yeah. Mm. So anyhow, did you make it all the way through mm. the tie on? I turned around at Tyone. Okay. I didn't yeah. go any farther than that uh, village that's right rocks. there on the right. Okay. Yeah. That too, and yeah. I was worrying about shallowing because it was uh, it was June, I think, is when the permit was open, and then I had three people on board that all had permits. Okay. So we got one and had to split up three ways. I didn't get much, but yeah. still a good turn. Sure. Yeah. So anyhow, of that boat, yeah, it, it has a nice open bow in the front, a little compartment to slide into to where if you have to have a little bathroom and it's got a nice big opening engine area where you can get to everything. Um, it's just two jet ski engines that are that the only bad drawback to it in my thinking is is that's not um, it's not antifreeze. It's not a, a dry um, a closed loop it's, uh, insulated. Uh-huh. I, that's the one thing I don't like about it is that's strictly what the fresh water is drawn in. Right. But it's stainless prop, stainless exhaust. Um, every, it's been good yeah. for me. It's easy to take care of. You flush it, rinse it, tip the nose up, make sure it's drained to keep all your water out of it, cover it up. It's been one of the best boats I've ever had. And uh, did have a shrimp pot puller on it. Nice. <laughs> used, to make a, used to make a run from Whittier to Cochrane Bay, pull the pots, be back, and make the 10 o'clock tunnel. Yeah. Get off at 430. I'm in the water at 5.30, at Cochrane Bay at 7.30, quarter to 8. Yeah. Dropping a line, doing a little fishing for about an hour and a half, back and catching a 10 o'clock tunnel at 50 miles an hour. Yeah, nice. 100-mile range on the tank. I, wow. I just can't talk good about that because I, I know when he's mentioned toys, touch a whole new subject. <laughs> oh, man. How's it so I got big water. Yeah. Oh, great. As long as the people can shut up and stop whining long enough, I can get through all kinds of good water. Yeah. Yep. Stop the whining. If you're getting on a boat, stop the whining. <laughs> it, the boats are bouncy and poundy. Okay, well, you got a fiberglass shell that's V'd in the front. It's going to cut the bow, and yes, waves are going to come over the front. We're not playing if it ain't doing it that way. Right. So that's why I hate the whining. Nice. I have a pilot buddy of mine. He came on board. He did nothing but whine. I said, you're not getting back on the boat ever again. So you're wearing <laughs> wetsuits? Uh, not on the boat. Oh. Uh, on the jet skis, uh, dry suits actually is a better way to go. Okay. Um, I have worn wetsuits knowing i got to deal with um, climbing underneath, cutting out weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've had my boats in the past, I've always brought a wetsuit with me knowing i got to get underneath maybe to do something to the prop or, you know, go get something unhung or something like right. that. But I don't, I don't always wear it when I'm on the boat. kind of got spoiled. But on the jet ski, I've worn actually my uh, wetsuit under my dry suit. Uh-huh. And a lot of people say it's bad. But what I liked about it is is that when I take my wet dry suit off, I got my wetsuit still to do things. And I've still got something on instead of fleece or yeah. polymer or something else. So I, I like wearing the dry suit with a little layer over that. And then the, or I'm sorry, wetsuit, the polymer and, and papillene over that, mm-hmm. then the dry suit on the outside. So it wicks it all away. Yeah, yeah. So when you take it off, you see the whole inside of your wetsuit is drenched, mm-hmm. but I'm warm right. and you're active. Now it's a sit yeah. still scenario. Don't work. Yeah. So anyhow. Yeah. Makes sense. Do they, um, what's your thoughts on the Illumiski? I like the Illumiski. I feel as if uh, it's a good idea. 
they haven't got it right yet, in my opinion. I like I like a, if we're gonna do that, we're gonna step up the boat, get a little bit wider, go a little bit longer, give you compartments. Mm. Why make it oh, so freaking? So why make it so freaking tight where there ain't room for a whole lot of nada? Yeah. You know, you got to pack extra gear. You got to pack a come along. You got to pack, you know, shovel. You got to pack some anchor points. You beach a machine. You got to either El Manuel it, and it takes four guys to pick up a jet ski. How many guys would take to pick up a aluminum weld boat, a little, little jet ski, aluminum weld skis? Mm -hmm. I'll bet at least four. Yeah. Because of the weight of the engine, the weight of the aluminum, uh, the bottom's got to be skinned. If they've got a windshield, whatever else they got on board, the seats and everything else, they're going to be, if not heavier than a jet ski. Yeah. Our jet skis usually range from 900 to 11, 1300 pounds, depending on the bigger machines on mm. the sit downs. Mm. So three guys are really hoofing to move those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my thought on the Lumiski. I like them. Partner of mine's got one, and we're getting ready to kind of play with it a little bit. But like his attitude towards the toy thing, I won't mm. invest that kind of money. Yeah. I'd did rather he build it or did he buy it? No, bought it built, yeah. but somebody else built it. That's the only way to have those yeah. right now is, is to have that or either the Lumiski company. Charge you thirty k, and you can have that one yourself. Roughly thirty k, roughly twenty five to thirty something, depending yeah. on what motor, what arrangement, what tank, what seats. Yeah, blah 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 blah, and how much uh, skinning on the bottom, not just the aluminum. Yeah, because they got to put a uh, layer of either high fax or some sort of something, because as you go skidding across either sandbar or rock or something, if it don't have that aluminum, grabs uh -huh. when it starts to dig into things. Yeah, sure. Mm. You're talking about um, so how you want to go, go on the lake. Quick right that, you went caribou hunting with that thing. Yes. I'll be damned. Yes. Lake Louise, all the way up to uh, the edge where the water got way Did too shallow for my nervousness. This, can, this, this TV's killing me. Um, so you didn't bump nothing? You didn't? No, but I was reading the water really well, and I also okay. have a forward depth finder, not just the one in the back. Oh, okay. And I've learned that with my skiing arrangements. Oh. I'd like to afford a forward Doppler. But, how how you much know, time do you got when you're running on, you know, step? Like The what? boat will react very fast. I oh, can throw okay. everybody from the boat if I turn sharp enough and they're not yeah, holding on. Yep, There's a handle by every seat, mm. and it's for a reason. <laughs> it should have seat belts. I love watching those videos. But you crank at 50 <laughs> and watch some heads and bodies yeah, fly. Everybody better hold on, huh? So, yeah, I even told them, so don't piss me off because I'll just throw you off. And they're like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk your spank. Sit in the back. Yeah, have a beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do they do uh, let me go back to my question because we were talking about how you know you just run on the lake and that that might get a little bit boring um and then you move to the the off the coast stuff do they do any big river races or big river rides like people are going up to yukon or not with um, jet skis why not um i would assume it's because of the the interest and the price um, mm -hmm. Like the guys that are doing those Yukon special designs, super long. They're they're in very shallow water. That's the right equipment to have. Two guys helping you give balance to the boat. You're in a jet ski. You're going to probably sandbar it. You're by yourself. They can't put two people on skis not long enough for that little arrangement. Okay. I think that's why our rivers aren't done. There yeah. are races in other places. On rivers. Yeah. They're just all around the world, jet skis are really taken off. Yeah. So there is. It's just, I, you know, haven't looked globally because, you know, the wallet isn't so big. But <laughs> what uh, are some of the other real popular countries? You know? I, I've looked a little bit, but I, yeah. I can't quote them. I'd, I'd have to, you know, look them up. But yeah. they're, they're there. And that's where I like when, when we were getting this off the ground, there was already global interest in jet skiing where there's people that can come from around the world. Right, right. 
but the purse was too big and the entry money was too big i think for to try and grab a really good interest okay. i think that where our biggest problem was yeah um um out of anchorage down to kenai down to homer down to kodiak circumference in kodiak and back i thought was enough but to get all the way over to Lake Iliamna, then be trailered back, I thought was a bit too much. Uh-huh. And just logistics-wise, it's just, you know, not only getting the interest, but the purse. Okay, so if the purse is a mill, it shouldn't cost the teams twenty five k each, you know, plus their equipment. And so is there boat support? Is there fuel support? Is there first aid and medical support? And so when it gets to be too spread... I think that's the biggest complication mm-hmm. to the logistics side of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of where the really holding point is, is trying to get all involved and to give it where there was support, where money wasn't given up front. And we had problems with villages carry a lot of diesel. Oh, right. Don't carry a lot of gas. Oh, okay. There's another big problem. Yeah. And you got to orchestrate it, but, you know, like mm-hmm. when we, we had our support boat, that's the one thing we packed was the extra gas. Right. Because once we got going, we were able to shed our cans and put them on the support boat and not do it like we had originally looked at because it was just, it was a bit too much, especially when we had the support boat. It's like, well, we got to beat ourselves up. Let's just pile our stuff on there. And we're still about the endurance, about making it. So. Yeah. I want to say... um has jet skis gone as far in um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, there's been so much in like ATVs and things like that. Oh, as yeah. far as as I far as um, there's a long like ways to go. Technology, yeah. Progression. Here's an idea for you. And again, I'm always ahead of the curve, but I ain't got the fundage for it. But let's take and put a carbon fiber hull together. Oh yeah. Mm. Let's tweak a little weight. Throw the foam and the mat and the seating arrangement. Let's cut down on that. Let's cut down on the handlebars. Let's cut down on everything and shave like the Weld is doing, right? Mm. The Illumaboat. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing. Only go carbon fiber, composite, throw everything at it that you can. Kind of like that little, uh, what's that one boat called that Polaris puts out? Uh, or no, it's the Sea-Doo. Um, oh, yeah. It's, the, the it's a lightweight flip. one. They say you can't flip. It has yeah. holes in the front. It kind of had the right idea, but they did it wrong. Water coming through to your feet. Worst idea ever, because it knocks your feet off at a certain speed. Mm-hmm. So, so of that, you know, to me, I look at that and it, it was an okay idea, but you need to be protected. And then that's my it's, opinion. Once you torpedo them and take it, it underwater, it was there. You'll know. Oh, uh, which one is it? I um, this one here. It's that one down to the right. It this might be the no. same as that one. No, no, no. Are you talking about my boat or no? No, the sea dew boat you were talking no, about. No, no, no. It's a um, spark. It's a oh, little, the, it's oh, the spark. The, that's the jet ski. That's the a jet, ski. jet right, ski. Right, yeah. That's the one I'm talking about. With oh. It's a composite hull. It's not carbon fiber. It's a composite hull. Kind of reminds me of it's like a super dirt lightweight. bike style oh. yeah. jet ski, and like they a had, race jet where ski. Where holes are in the front, and the water goes through the front, okay. and yep, it yep, knocks yep. your feet. So, yeah. So they say that these don't don't can't flip over? That's BS. <laughs> they say that for a sales pitch, and the okay. reason they say that is because that's the number one fear. Is that I'll they roll over? Uh, but you look on the back of it. Guess what it has? The proper way to roll it back over, so you don't put water in your intake. Mm. If you do it the wrong way, the directions on how you automatically it. scoop the water up into the intake. Mm. Then you can't fire it. Uh, That's why it says rotate it a certain way. Yeah. All of them have it on the back. It looks oh, a lot like the new yep. stone machines. Yep, it does. Yeah, it these does. are nasty. They're real popular. I've seen them. Yep, they're all cheap. Over the place. That's yeah, why they're popular. They're thing. cheap. 
Yeah, they're and they're small 000. motored. They can only mm. do. I think they can only do like I don't know thirty something on the water. They're not that fast. Oh, okay. So cheap and perfect N- for the nim- kids. Nimble for ripping around. It, it feels like if perfect you were for beaching all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were like a big stand up guy, this is something that you could, you know, or sit something down and you want to let the kids to throw on and not rip oh, up your nice machine. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Okay. <laughs> What's the picture the of that girl ski. like holding it up? What's going on there? She's doing a stand up in the water. Oh, that's bouncing it up and down. That's called nice. torpedoing, or oh, I'm making sorry. it look easy. We call it buoying. 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 That's what I was talking okay. about earlier when I was doing the jet ski. Okay. A buoying. What you know, a like a buoy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's What's a porpoising then? Porpoising. Porpoising is when your vessel no. is doing yeah. this. That's porpoising. Uh huh. Where your front end is bouncing and your back end, and you either got weight distribution problems oh, or your tabs it's are just wrong. Like porpoising, right? Like yeah. a boat, not out, like out a trick. Drive is wrong. Yeah, and it's, okay. you're kind of like doing that yeah, instead yeah. of being smooth. Yeah, that's yeah. porpoising. I thought there was like a trick. Well, what no, do you call well, it when you go under the water and back out? Oh, torpedo. Torpedoing. Torpedoing. Or yeah. submerging, submarining. Submarining. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they do in the free fall freestyles. Yeah. Okay. They take them underwater. And pop I'm sure, under and pop back out. I'm sure those those tricks. I mean, maybe we could pull one of those up, Brandon. On yeah, that yeah. Freestyle. Um, it's at the Havasu deal. Freestyle. Freestyle Havasu yep. trickeries. Yep. And they, um, I'm put sure they there, do it by points. Put submer- submarining, and it'll bring them up. There's another guy that'll sit there, and he'll just do a. He'll do what they call rotational flips. So he'll hit it, keep going. Hit it, keep going. Hit it, keep going. Hit a it, full backflip. Forward flip, I think, is what they're doing. I don't wow. remember if it's a back, but they just keep doing it, keeping the momentum up, and it's they get big points because oh, they do I know, six or mm-hmm. eight or whatever of them. Oh, yeah, and then that's the grab. That's the what the foot grab, grab at the same time. Oh, so oh, they almost integrated some of the snowboard stuff. Exactly. Where you're doing the grab exactly. And the, yep. Ah, uh, got mm, it. Got that's it. Pretty, that's pretty dope. Yeah, well, there's there's getting ready to do the submarining, right? There, he's got the nose down. He kicked oh, the back this end guy up. Here. He's getting ready to do it. Just get it. Yep. So, Ron, are you uh, like a double backflip guy, or I have not been able to <laughs> oh, okay. justify doing that <laughs> on a stand up or just, a sit down. I just had to check. <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> I think I'm one of the few that's able to put a sit down through a wave, and I got witnesses. Oh, okay. And hang on is the trick. Yeah, what's the what's because the, the water uh, blast to the chest. The pressure is to remember. Yeah. Oh, what is. do you mean by that? Like you're going in through the wave? Yes. Okay. The waves are so sharp that when you come down one wave and you don't do it right at the right angle, you're going oh, you're through that wave. The next one. Oh, okay. you're going through that, that wave. Pressure. It wants to just rip you right off. Of oh it. yeah. Just is that happening? Find a the, bat. Let me help you. Does that <laughs> no. happen on the salt water? I mean. Oh yeah. You, oh so, shit. So coming back from Kenai back into Anchorage, the water and the tide and the shallowness that happens the waves are so tight that if you're not doing a certain angle you are literally putting the nose of the boat at the bottom of that wave and going through Mm. the next wave Mm. and it's knocked john off his machine as him and i were the only two going from kenai back to anchorage and i Mm. zipped over and got him out of the water and back to his machine wow as he watched me he watched me go through the waves yeah I want to yeah, um, before we before we yeah. get into the ads and, and the actual wet dog race. I, mm-hmm. you, you brought up um, something the other day, Ron, when I was at at the site with you working um, on the rescue deal that happens out there in, in Cook Inlet, and um, how you are involved with people that 
will walk out there in Cook Inlet, you're at Beluga Point or whatever, and people that don't know will just walk out there into that Right, into that silt, into those mud flats, and then they get stuck. And then there's so many stories. Can you walk us kind of through some of the, maybe some of the horror stories that you've maybe seen or been a part of and what it takes to actually now to rescue people and a little bit of history with that? One step in the horror department, and then we'll back up and be more mellow about it. Okay. But Mm. the one lady that got pulled apart, it was California. So they tried a new method on them when that happened this is like in 88 or something 93 ish yeah, okay. i think is where yeah, we're yeah, at yeah. but yeah. anyhow so the lady was pulled apart because they couldn't release the lower end of her and they were only getting down to her waistline and she was already up to her head with tube keeping her aired to try oh and get gosh. her try to get her cleared to remove her yeah what they've learned and what i'm familiar with and what i've seen is is that now they've got a where they use water and they'll pressurize and blow around them, mm-hmm. and then that releases Release all the silt enough to where they can pop out. Right. They break, still break have, the suction, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. and get enough of the body released to where they can get them out. They've got, excuse me, little boards across the um, silt, do a little uh, where they take a um, an Argo or this lightweight track rig to get out to them, and it's got a hoist on it. Okay. And then it's got a power, it's got a water pump and stored water on board because once the, once the water comes in, they got water. But before the water comes in, they've got no water. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to do mm-hmm. the blasting. they got to have water to start with. Yeah. So the process that I'm familiar with it, I don't know if they're still doing it, is where they would try to get to the person as quick as they could because they can't do it anymore with a, a boat of any sort. Now they have toyed with a um, uh, hovercraft, hovercraft mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. certain pumps and gear on board, and I think that's what they have now is the hovercraft instead of the track rig. And the hovercraft gets out to them, then they got the pump, the water, the water on board, and then I think three guys is where they're at. And so they build a. If you ever seen where they rescue someone from a manhole, it's got a tripod arrangement, mm-hmm. and there's a hoist on the top. Yeah. So the tripod arrangement set up. The silt pads are there, and then there's a hoist deal. So they're wrapping around wherever they can. It's uh, harnessed either their waist or upper shoulders under their armpits, and then they're starting to hoist. Then they're blasting the water as at the same time they're hoisting. So they got a good method down now. But back in the day, it's all trial and error and learning. They tried digging them out. That didn't work. They tried everything that works. And so a little backup here. When the water goes out, it goes out in kind of a slow process and you start to see the beach expose itself and then you see the sandbars and then the glacier silt kind of slightly goes from super coagulant to like semi non-coagulant where you can walk on it. Then it turns to where it's almost hard. Well, it's only hard for a certain amount down from the top. It's never hard down below because the silt and the coagulant and the water is all there two foot below. I'm, I'm not sure how deep it is. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because when the water comes in, it comes in much faster than it went out. So when they're caught and they're thinking they're okay, but they see the water. By the time they see the water, it's already too late because it's coming faster. than If they're a mile offshore and they can see the water coming, they can't make that mile before they're in the water mm-hmm. is my point. Oh. Because it yeah, comes in yeah. faster than it goes out. Yeah. Once that happens, all that semi-hardened mm-hmm coagulant sand turns to quicksand and now what you used to walk on you're down to your knees yeah or your waist yeah or even your freaking upper chest so that's kind of where people get themselves in trouble is they get too far out the water comes in a lot faster than they even realize and then they're caught 
And it's the call, too. So did somebody on the road see it? Did somebody flying by on an airplane see it and call it in? So that's all mm -hmm. the other aspect, too, is mm -hmm. when they get the notification that there is trouble, that's a critical time frame because they're either running from Girdwood or they're coming from somewhere in Anchorage. Is it the fire department? It's rescue. There's an actual rescue crew that does those re recoveries. So it's not part of the fire department? I think it is. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I think they got a specialized crew for the yeah. silt recovery. Mm -hmm. I remember not just the fire. Last summer, I saw fire trucks coming from Anchorage and Girdwood, and they had like a jet ski setup. Yep. And uh, that's on like an inflatable. There's, it's in the middle of a boat kind mm. of deal. Well, oh, yeah. that hovercraft is the cat's meow. Okay. Depends on the tide. Yeah. Again, if the tide's coming in, water's coming in, then the ski's usable mm -hmm. to a certain depth. If not, then we got that questionable level where, you know, like I've beached my ski and skidded on my skull. I know that the water is evil. You can't always tell where them little ripples are right. and knowing just how shallow you are when the water's going out because the ripples are created when the water's leaving. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if it's two inches or, you know, six inches. Right. Because the ripples it's look the just same. It's lapping up. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also the silt has these rolls to it. Mm -hmm. So then you see these rolls, and you're not sure if it's the silt rolls in the in the glacier part mm -hmm. or if it's your water rolls. Mm -hmm. And they have a hard time reading the water the same way. All right. And they're all dry suited up. They've gone to dry suits, and they've been to dry suits the last I've seen. I wonder how many rescues we do a year out in the mud flats. Uh, that could be Googled. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. The internet might know. So on that note, I don't want to drop any names, but i got to bring up a little funny here since you uh, tweaked my... Uh, Memory bell here. So we have a friend that's a part of our jet ski club and a part of our wet dog deal. And so she's a 911 operator. So she will receive calls about, we see jet skis out in the inlet. They look like they're stuck. Yeah. She'd, she'd call Peter or I and go, are you guys out in the inlet? Yes, we are. Please don't send anybody. We're good. Oh. We're stuck. And so oh. we come prepared. We got a little fire. Yeah. You know, a little food, a little nosh, a little take care of business, a little lights to play with, a little laser, a little goof on off yeah. while we wait our eight hour swing because that's about what it takes. <laughs> yeah. For the time. Yeah, shallow for as much, little as six, as much as eight to where you have enough water to float the machine again and then get back going. Yeah. So I usually call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you guys like that one. I never seen oh, a jet ski <laughs> out out there or anywhere. Where do you, where do you launch at? Anchorage. Like right out down at the port, Creek. ship Creek. That's right. I never, ever, ever seen a jet ski out there. Have you guys? Mm, no. I, the There's only jet Sioux. skis I'm aware of are the people that take them across to go up like Alexander Creek to fishing. Yep. So like, I feel like the people that That's I know Sioux. that jet skied either were like these hardcore kind of single, you're getting at like what toys you want. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's like seems to be single people. Like, you know, you don't have to haul anyone else with you or you have one other buddy you convince to get them. And they're either trying to get to trout or some s sort of fishing. Sure. Or they're trying to surf. Yep. So the ones I knew would go up, and I think they would go up Alexander Creek. That's one on the Big Sioux, all the way up to Alexander. Up the Big Sioux. Yep. To those, like, tributaries. And if you, and if you don't know Big Sioux, the mouth of the Big Sioux is a challenge. Yeah. Directly right. It opens west up, right? Across it's like, Fire which Lake one do you take? It's rough. And it changes all the time. Yeah. There's so many so braids. Yep. Mm. I always kind of wondered. I've, I've thought about doing it, but it's, it's intimidating because I've seen the aerial view mm -hmm. and like what braid do you pick like how do you even know what is the main like, channel you're always channel looking for the largest water. the largest water that's collectively moving in the same direction is what you do and you try to follow and that. it's all flat 
So yep. it's like, you can't right. really. It's tough. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I've spent many hours out there beached. Really? Because I, well, I've learned not to play with the outgoing tide. Mm, incoming so only. I play with the incoming tide. Okay. That way, if we get beached, you just wait a half an hour and you'll have water again. Oh, gotcha. And then go a different direction. Oh. Okay. So then once you get up Big Sioux a certain distance, the tide doesn't bother you. Oh. You're up in deep enough, then you can roll and the water doesn't get too shallow. Mm. It's only the mouth. Well, a little bit past the mouth, a couple miles-ish. After that, it it gets to where you ain't got to worry about it. You can actually start to, like, decipher the bank and where yeah. now the big yeah. channel is. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's certain places where you got to turn on far left, even though it looks shallow on the left. It's not. It's up against the bank. There's, that's yeah. still going on. Don't get okay. me wrong. Yeah. ain't like you can always cut corners. Mm-hmm. But when the tide's up and you know you're riding the tide. Yeah. And then the other thing that this is a lot of people don't realize is the port. If you don't launch your boat... Two and a half hours before high tide, you only have till two and a half hours after the top of high tide, or you run out of you run out of launch ability and retrieve ability from the boat launch because the boat launch ends and silt starts, and you can't Mm -hmm. get your machine onto the trailer without sinking everything in the silt. And I don't care what big truck you have in town, it ain't coming out of that silt with your seas. Say that again. You have to what? You have to start two and a half hours prior to high tide. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That way, their tides up enough to where you can launch, go play. Need to be back before the two and a half hours off of high tide ends, because then you're at the bottom of the boat launch again, where the silt starts. I got photos. Like I said, I didn't bring photos, but okay. you can look up, look up any of the photos for the Anchorage boat launch and look up uh, high and low tide photos, because yeah. it's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's what start. I first did it when I took my pictures. Yeah, when we used well, to that's, launch that's and go move. across deck hunting, it was very specific like that. Yep. We're getting back to the, the launch. Just like, like if you ever go up Knick and ever go duck hunting, you got to be careful in the same thing up in Knick where I'm canoed and hunted and, and duck hunted and all that. If you're at a certain hour after high tide, there's a caught water that's up there above the bridge. The mm-hmm. water kind of stops at a certain level. Below the bridge, it drops more, if you didn't mm. know that. So uh. the Connect River, that bridge it goes across. Yeah. On the Old Glen or new? Both. Oh. Old Glen is more predominant. You can see it more. Uh-huh. New Glen, you can't tell. You can see it's low on the left, it's low on the right. Mm-hmm. But you go up where the old bridge is, you can see there's kind of like trapped water that's up there. Only, it gets only certain low, and then it kind of hangs at a certain low. Mm. I think that all kind of is... The water just gathers right just there. Just blocked. I don't know why, but okay, still holding it or something. So if you go on the see, that's the south side of the Connect Bridge, not the north side. You go down and there's some sloughs that you can go do duck hunting. Mm. But mm. certain times that gets really low, and you have to travel a whole lot more, and then you're kind of stuck with your canoe. Oh, so that's mm. kind of the same thing. It's gotcha. just not as bad. Yeah. So you basically on that tide, you got like five hours to mess around. Yep. About that's about tops. Okay. You know, before and after the high tide. Yeah, and they're so fast and aggressive. Too. That's right. And it depends on that, too. Depends yeah. on the, like, if we have a 32 or 34 foot tide and it goes down to negative five, mm. and then it swings back up to a 28, then it drops down to a plus 10, you got less time. All yeah. right. That's why I'm bringing and you it have up. That, that, the swing. It either rages hard or there's like nothing. Correct. Yeah. And it always goes out slow in fast, no matter what. <sighs> always. Scary fast. It is. 
Yeah. It is. So you don't want to get stuck waist high. In the yep. Sand. yep. No, 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 no. No. You don't want to do that. Uh, let's take a quick break and give let's a shout it. out to some of the sponsors here. Uh, Serrano's Mexican Grill. Since 2008, Serrano's is Anchorage's own generation of old casino. Their menu showcases the passion and love of their rich heritage and unique family recipes that have been passed down through generations. Serrano's goal is to embrace and display traditional flavors using the best ingredients that are available. They focus on making everything from scratch daily. In-house menu includes handcrafted corn tortillas, Serrano salsa, carne asada marinades, and chorizo. But don't take their word for it. Experience the tradition and sabor for yourself. Locations on Tudor and Northern Lights. Both spots now have a tequila bar, so go ahead and check out either of those. And you can check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Tailored Restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling, including burst pipes, overflowing toilets, downed trees, fires, pet accidents, and vandalism. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day, or night. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks, and hit them up at Ala- tailoredrestorationalaska.com. <laughs> you got through it, Jackie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used Tailored this week, by the way. Oh, did you oh, really? Yeah, this is the third time this year that I had a rental with a water leak. And, oh, man, man, it's amazing how fast they get over there. Oh, they actually came out, inspected, and uh, repaired it? Oh, yeah. Well, they, they, they shut down the water, mm-hmm. started the restoration. The repair will happen. Got with my insurance company, and they're legit. Yeah. I mean, they just streamline it, right? Yeah, it's easy. I mean, it may, it takes off a lot of, of my stress. It takes away a lot yeah, of my stress. Yeah, with all the other crap you got going on, like, that's what you need, right? <laughs> got to love it. Uh, the Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because, honestly, there's always something good on deck. And, guys, listen, this is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve Make sure to check them out at thetreehouseak.com. You must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Ron, you going to leave me solo over here or what? No, no, no. I'm just looking at <laughs> No, I'm giving you. I, I had to throw it out there because you're the only one in here. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really like blown away at your how early you got into this the the jet ski game i've got a a family member uh from valdez right port town live pretty close to the water okay uh lots of family extended family on his side in cordova again small port town close to the water and them boys out there are crazy about their jet skiing and that's the first time that i've heard of Guys taking jet skis in the salt. Um, again, like I said, my perception of jet skiing was always lake. But these guys, being that, you know, Valdez, Cordova, you know, they're, they, they're fishermen. Um, I mean, they, they had two or three stand-ups with 
they had these custom brackets off their sand boats where they actually carried their stand-ups around. Yep. And so in their off time, you know, when their fishing would close mm-hmm. and they had their fish off to the can to the to the um um, uh, not the cannery. What's the the tender? Ten, the tender. Yeah, they go off in a bay waiting for the next opener mm-hmm. or whatever, yep, and they, they download their stand ups yep. and go rip around. And I'm like, yep. holy shit, that's actually, a great I've idea. Seen just what you're describing. I tried to yeah. get on terminal, and I had a funny buddy of mine that worked on terminal down in Valdez. Okay, so yeah, I went down to go visit with him and seen that too, and I was just like all intrigued, and you know, never couldn't go out and talk to him because you know didn't have a way to do it. But yeah, I've yeah. seen that, and I I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, those guys would like, oh, we're gonna run to Valdez and back to Cordova in the day. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. There's a glacier north of uh, Valdez that we went to. Mm-hmm. And in that glacier, I had my support boat. And at the time, I had a borrowed jet ski from a guy's wife. <clears throat> and in the glacier, you're like a um, mixed drink. The glacier bubbles and cracks and pops mm. like you're in the drink. I can't make that up. It just bubbles. You're sitting there floating around. You can just hear it. You know, kill the motor, just floating. Oh. Ice is melting is what you're listening to. Is this in between Valdez and Whittier then? No, no, no. It's north of Valdez. Oh, okay. I want to say Columbia. Yeah. yeah, Is it Columbia? I'd have to look at a map Closer to Valdez itself. Right, right. Right. It was in Valdez. Yeah, that's only a 100-mile run. You do the tours and stuff in there, I think, Whittier to Valdez is only a 100-mile run. We've done it. Several oh, is that times what it is? A hundred miles. That's, it. that's all it is. Okay, done. that's all. Just done and done. Yeah. That's right. No big deal. Done. Well, on a jet ski, that's a long way. <laughs> Montague's only Montague's only one twenty. Oh, it is one one yep. way from that's Whittier. Crazy. Yep. Yep. Damn, I, I, th- I thought it was. Have only you like done that miles. Montague run? Yep. Yeah. What yep. were you doing out there? Um, uh, camped on the land. Try to uh, see if I can find a deer. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. you brought a little sled. Oh uh, no! Actually, I was able to shove everything in the compartments, and what I do is everything that can take the heat uh-huh. goes in the engine compartments. Okay, and I put them in uh, uh, military canisters. Okay, so oh, it can take the great. heat instead of yeah. that, and then bungeeing them up with. Uh, what these. happens if you got a deer? It goes in the front. That's why I'm opening oh, it up the front. Who knows? Right, just like okay. when I go halibut fishing. Uh-huh. Though halibut, you just go ahead and whack the head off, uh-huh. cut the tail off, cut the dorsal fins off, curl them up, drop them in the front t- uh, front compartment. Oh, really? You take the mm. boot out. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You What's take the, the boot out? The boot. There's a boot in most of the front of the jet skis oh, okay. and the sit downs. There's a boot. Okay. It's like a it's like a container that sits in the lip. Okay. Okay. When you open the nose, there's this. I call it a boot, but it's kind of like a a pocket. So you pull that out, then you can get to all the lower part down in the hole. Is that for buoyancy on the front? No. So you oh. can keep stuff up off the floor, and you got immediate uh, grab uh, things because oh, you can't oh, oh. reach it when mm. you open it up, and you've right. got your handlebars forcing your gut, and you can't reach <laughs> all the way down the bottom without scurrying around at handlebar to get all the way down the bottom. Gotcha. And then mm. you're, as you get around the handlebar, you're getting tippy, right? Like, no. You just got to oh. have the right balance mentality. Oh. Like on a horse. <laughs> Throw that leg over real quick, and you straddle it backwards. Then you reach down. Oh, in. there's technique. You don't to stand this. on the side and be an idiot. That, that's but one no. thing <laughs> I noticed most, about. No, most, I mean, most machines, yeah, most look like the idiots. New, no, first I'm time sorry. The new it. machines are a lot more buoyant and a lot more and balanced. Where I can stand in the trough on one side and it won't tip. Okay. It'll tip a little, okay, but it won't roll over like the Tiger Shark or like some of the older models mm-hmm. where they're a little bit skinnier. Yeah. They've gotten okay. wider now. We've got sponsons. We got more buoyancy. The foaming board. Mm. The Fiberglass has got more fo- uh, buoyancy going on. So they dummy proofed them a little bit. Tad. Okay. Tad. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. Like, I, I again, I don't just ski a lot, but the ones that I have 
played around on, I guess they're more like race machines, so they're a little bit more like nimble or whatever. But if you fuck around and go one side or the other, the thing just rolls right over on you. And and you hit the nail on the head. It's The the race machines are dialed in for curving, okay? okay. So you're doing the buoy slicing, and mm. you're going to get into the turns. You're shaving all the weight down. It's you, your body language, what you're turning on the inside and the outside, just like on a, on a high-speed motorcycle that does curves where you're dropping your knee in the water. They do the mm. same thing. They got, they're got they so hugged onto that seat that they're dropping their whole body one side or the other mm-hmm. to make those curves. And if you look at the sponsons, they look like the side of wings that have been added to it, not just this little tiny little sponsons that's on the factory ones. They mm. drop them down, and they're six inches deep, and that's because they're hugging it so tight. That's a wing underwater. Okay. And now I'm starting to see where they're playing around with the – uh, what they call um, hydrofoiling. Mm. And so what they've oh. done, instead of hydrofoil, is they've just turned it outward. So when you're curving it, it actually is a cupped cut and helps you sharper turn. Right, mm. right. Grabs so water. And some of the newer stuff mm-hmm. I'm just looking at, yeah. Wanted to go to another Havasu, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the biggest halibut you've caught on that thing? On the jet ski, I think uh, 35er. Yeah. Had to cut him down a little bit and shove him in front. And then when yeah. I got the second one, he was like 20. And so cut him a little less. And then third one, you know, fourth one. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Any, Perfect size. What size would you get nervous, you know, with just like the, the big ones, the 50s? Because yeah. then I got no real room for him. Even if I sit there and slice him all up, I didn't, uh-huh. you know, not ready to. The bad thing about being on your lap and having a fillet knife is, is that you're going to cut your thousand dollar dry suit Mm -hmm. okay or Mm. you're going to slice into your leg Mm -hmm. in your wetsuit and there you are so that's your biggest fear because you're by yourself no not so much that just injuring yourself and here we are okay Mm. anchor point all right you slice your leg at anchor point where the fish are uh that's a bad spot yeah even with the sat phone Mm because cell phone got chat service so yeah (laughs) yeah i've never seen a jet ski out there an anchor point, yeah. yeah. Never. Once we leave the water, you can't be seen. Just so you know, and you know it's illegal in reser in Homer, right? Yeah, oh, that was my next yes. question. Yeah. Yeah. What are your oh, thoughts God. on that? Beat you to it. Good job. Because I was because yeah. I was thinking when we go to the Winter King thing, and there's yeah. like the paddleboard oh. division, or not the paddleboard, but the um, kayak division, and I was wondering why isn't there yeah. a jet ski division? Well, you're mm-hmm. not allowed to ATV there unless you all go. To that other side by Fox. Haven't uh-huh. you seen the guys pedaling around on those little pedals? The pedal boats? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen that. They got that. those pedal boats. And then they got the motorized kayaks, the, the mokais. Mokais, They yep. were out there. And, oh, I haven't seen that. And mm-hmm. the jet skis can't do it because you're supposed to be a crew. That's why I thought they've never been out to do it. So I've been on a uh, brown cow how now boat, and I've fished there a couple times. And... Uh, I always get irritated because it's like on the radio, there's all this crap talk. You know, yeah, we pulled the big one on. They don't say what boat it is. Then later on, you're like, dang, they got the big one, you know. So then you get back and it's, there's no big one from boat yuck, yuck, yuck. You know what I'm saying? It's like a whole bunch of crap goes on on the radio. That's the biggest irritant about that whole whole deal is there's so much flap on the radio that it's like. There really is a lot of that, actually. Yeah, it's too much of it. It's like, (laughs) how about we fish? When we get back to the dock, then all the then all the real talk happens. That radio (laughs) and that time that was the biggest annoyance out of all of it. So there's a lot of that. I stayed on on the back deck and said, I don't want to hear what's going on that radio. Just turn it off for me. I don't even want to hear it. (laughs) But yeah, I I love. I I got pictures where I'm blue in the face, blue in the lips, fingers are blue, and I'm holding up my king with the biggest freaking blue grin I ever owned. And so (laughs) that's why I like going in Winter King fishing yeah. but there's been days where it's been so brutally cold 
you know, I just, I don't know. I didn't do it this last year, but every year prior to that, I've done it with the girlfriend down at Homer, and it's been great. Really? Have oh, you yeah. have you salmon fished with your jet ski? Have Absolutely. you, like, trolled and, like, done that whole thing? Trolling is tough. It's yeah, very tough. I mean, that's why I had um, to ask. I mean. Idle is the best move, but we have to drop either a little chute that's uh, what they call a water anchor, uh-huh. and it mm-hmm. slows you down. Yeah. Or you just take, like, um, you know, a raincoat and tie it in kind of like a little web and drop it over the edge and oh, tie it off. because you're and idling too, you're too fast. Idle's your too fast. Your troll is too fast. That's mm-hmm. right. Idle's too mm. fast. And, you know and you could drag as a small bucket. I, well, I, I, I got you, but bucket takes up space. Yeah, it does. So it's got to yeah. be something collapsible. And the collapsible bucket don't hang. No, but so a jacket or some to, sort of yeah. like material right. that you could right. turn into like a parachute type thing. So I use a mesh like a fish uh, for your um, shrimp pots. I've used the fish bait, mm. those nylon mesh ones, and mm. then just put something in it like a rainproof jacket, and it acts as a nice head. Creates heavy. drag. Yeah, mm. and that works the best. And it's light and packable and easy. Oh, man. Crafty yeah. man, crafty. Right. You thought about this. We dip netted in Kenai, by the way. Oh, really? On jet skis, and that was legal too. Sure, it is. It's a yeah. boat, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> takes two of you. Seems One has like a lot. Of, uh, you know, actually, I have seen that. Yeah. And that now that you see that, I saw a triple a cedar out yep. there, and I thought, man, that sucked to fall in. But it, it's not. It's okay. You're used to it. The ski goes back and picks you up. Dry, you dry ain't got to swim to the boat. The ski will come to you. <laughs> Watch out! As long as you trust your, as long as you trust your partner. With a dry suit. No, Kenai in the summer. How many freaking beautiful? How many damn fish can you even get on a dip net trip on a jet ski? Till the cooler's full, then you go back and unload the cooler, (laughs) and it's a it's a forty gallon cooler that's right between your legs in the back. Oh, okay. So one operates, one's turned around and doing the dip netting backwards, and what helps is the jet. Yuck! 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 It pulls them up, then the net catches them. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I've yeah dipping from the jet ski. That's extra. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> let's 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 jump into the wet dog race and just a little bit wet of dog uh, race. Yeah, a little bit of uh, maybe knowledge or, or history here for people that might not know or ever heard of the wet dog race. Um, we just had Mike Morgan and and Chris Olds here for the Iron Dog race, and there's the we had these other guys in for the Iditarod race, and this is a race that happens in Alaska on jet skis in the ocean. It hasn't happened yet. We did what's called paving the way. We proved it can be done. Okay. Mm. But the race has not got off the ground. It hasn't. Okay. No. Okay. So okay. so what we've been seeing, if you YouTube, you could YouTube this and YouTube wet dog race. Absolutely. And what, mm. what it'll show you is you guys maybe practicing these things or Proved it can be done. Okay. All right. And showed that it can be done physically. Okay. So let's start in the beginning. Let's begin. I see this first video here is from 2010. When was the first time you guys decided, hey, let's let's go ahead and attempt this? And where, That's John where, and Lang was, right And there. what was the first there's, route? There's, um, 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 that was Ralph Perez. There's myself. Peter, there's Gina. And there's his machine, overweighted. There's mine. This is the support boat. This was coming back from Wide Bay. There's a couple mixed shots here. This was launching in Anchorage. That looks like Larson Bay. I can't wait till. There we are. Yep. So that's a that's a quick little synopsis, and it's cuts from a lot of different times. Quick, quick question. Quick question. Wet dog race. Where did the name come from? Wet dog. Like 
like Iron Dog, we got that. Like, did that have something to do with that? Or? The equivalency of what we do in Alaska is why it became the dog. Okay. Because we got Iron Dog. Dog sled racing. I did sled dog. Oh, the yeah. dogs for the sled dogs. And yeah. so dog was key. So wet dog was kind of a grabber as we all brainstormed, okay? I got to give John Lang credit, and I'll throw his name out there, but he's the one that really got a lot of it off the ground, created the trophy, kind of got global interest, tried to work the preempting of kind of getting it off the ground. We, as the rest of the group, were just some jet ski fanatics. Mm-hmm. We just happened to get kind of drawn into it, to be honest with you. Now, once we got to be a little bit psychotic once, to even yeah. do some shit like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you're not having fun, you're not trying. No That's offense. Right. No yeah. offense, Ryan. Yeah, I'm just I got saying. You. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. It's all good. That's why I'm still single. So anyhow. Um, of that. Um, shout out there. We tried to get uh, different ideas, myself personally, and not without talking to the rest of the group, but I tried to get him to take a little bit more realization on what the routing was and what the capabilities were where our restrictions were and the support level and all that as a, as a whole. So the original plotting and planning was is to start in Anchorage, continue all the way down through the loop that's on the map and end up in Lake Iliamna and be trailered back and then come back to Anchorage. As we were doing this and showing it was capable of being done and we ran into complications with our fuel and we had extra fuel pods and we had different issues with taking on water and we had different issues with certain machines and I just get off all the complications. But as it started to eat into time where everyone had limited time, I was one of the few that had in mind and set aside enough time to accomplish it all. And that's why I am the only one that did it from start to finish. Oh, really? No one else. The proposed first round has done it from launch to the end. I'm the only one The ends the alien now. And is Anchorage. Started in Anchorage and back in Anchorage. Oh, this is around on this, Kodiak. On this. And back. Right. On okay. this um, pavement. Attempt. Okay. Right. Yeah. right. But you still want the future of the race to be up to Iliamna? But no. I back disagree. To, okay. Personally, I think it's doable to start from Anchorage, circumference Kodiak, maybe stretch it out a little bit, maybe either end in Seward or maybe end it over in Valdez or uh-huh. end it in Whittier, yeah. but not go all around Ileana. But that's yeah. my personal thought on all this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The trailering back in also like the fuel on the river seems... Pretty- the river's a challenge by itself. Yeah. So the river's entrance, the rocks, the way the, the tide is, that all has to be timed just like our inlet does. Okay. And that's a problem, especially when you have us four at a challenge where who's going to be first. Right. And you got hazards in the way. Mm-hmm. Not a good mix. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I say that in a short version. Yeah. So so the first attempt was in 2010? 09 is when we did oh, it. Oh, May nine. of 09. That's when this was all done. Okay. May, June. I think we ended in the middle of June to almost the second to last week of June. So how long did it take? Four Four to five weeks. Four to five weeks. Trying to remember all those dates, yeah. People ran out of time. They had to go back for work and da-da-da-da-da. I stayed in Larson Bay. I took the trip back across Wide Bay to go retrieve our skis with a landing craft. What a slow ride. And then on the way back, I worked on the jet skis to get the jet skis up and workable. So when we got to Larson Bay, the others flew back, and then we continued from Larson Bay and circumference the other side and back. Mm. On a short story. 
And so then look at this little map right here. Yeah, it's like. So okay, this that, is like I said, that was the proposed run. from Seward. That was the proposed run from Seward. That's not what we took. We started in Anchorage, went to Kenai. That was the first jaunt. Okay. And Kenai to Homer. Mm. Homer. Oh, actually, Kenai to Anchor Point. Because technically, you can't ride in Homer. legality issues said we couldn't go in there. Couldn't I, go to Resurrection. I voted to come in no matter what and got outvoted. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. However, we did have an issue with one of the skis. And we pulled all the machines out in Anchor Point and then camped out at the um, boat owner's house fixing the problem. So we modified between the three vessels of ours, put windshields on them, hot grips, uh, extra GPS connection for the GPSs, and we put took water bladder tanks that are typically designed for you to pull wakeboarders or kiters and transform them into fuel cells uh-huh. and then put a motor uh, pump to where you can draw from those tanks mm-hmm. and put it straight into your fuel tank with water fuel separator involved as well. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So that sounds awesome. That was the arrangement mm-hmm. on, yeah. on the three machines, which is mine, Peter's, and Gina's. Yeah. What so brand are you guys running? Polaris. And oh. that was, again, we bought from Riva in Florida and had a buddy of mine bring them up from Riva because mm. nobody in town would treat us right on the purchase of three brand new machines. Technically, we got four. The mm. other person that bought it just wasn't a part of, didn't want to partake in our our uh, wet dog deal. But just wanted the uh, new machine. Right. But yeah. four came up. Oh, right. All got it. Yeah. purchased. And I, I, myself and Peter, worked that deal with Riva in Florida. Nice. I have connections in Florida as well. They Did they come modified? Uh, no. They okay. came stock. Stock. And we wanted it that way. It. Oh, but we okay. bought the extra parts. Okay. All the extra pieces. Everything needed... Fuel injection rail, starter, alternator, pickup, jet pump, uh, extra rings, extra impellers. Whatever you needed. Uh, exhaust seals. Anything we thought might go wrong on the run to where we knew we could rip it apart and mm. had the tools to do it, too. So when you guys are doing the, those initial runs, um, as we learned from the Iron Dog, they always have some sort of support airplane. Um, was there a support boat? That was, like, following you guys along? The support boat got picked up at Homer. It wasn't until we got to Homer where the support boat started to follow us. Okay. Okay. But, yes, from this, from Homer on, the support boat followed us, and that's where we kind of lightened up our load. If you'll notice oh. in the shots, when we get to Homer, or I'm sorry, when we get to uh, Kodiak, you'll see that a lot of us have unloaded our fuel cells. We'll be down uh, containers. I dropped my two... Uh, uh, Pelican cases that were on outside. I kept my medical military white box. It was on the back and fishing poles and the other stuff. And we kind of lost our fuel deals, but we had fuel cell problems, but we still used them up for the entire trip and didn't ditch those until after we got back. What were the fuel cell problems? The caps of the fuel cells were uh, designed uh, not to take the impact as you're hitting waves. Oh. So when they're full of fuel and you're hitting the waves, mm-hmm. the water impact was covering the caps yeah. as the fuel was bouncing yeah. and the waves was pounding. And so salt water were getting into the um, fuel cells. Oh, man. And it was filling my filters where we brought so many for each. We used them up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so then here we are in Kodiak trying to find filters. Yeah. And we found like two. Yeah. Okay. It's Kodiak, you know? 
70 yeah. yeah, you're lucky yeah. you even found right. those, right? So yeah, we brought a whole pile of them and figured we were good to go. Well, that right. wasn't the case. So yeah. Yeah. That, that was some of the problems we had. Yeah. Mm. So, so that was all in 2009? Yes. What were you going to ask, Daniel? I was going to say, I was going to ask about that run from Anchor Point. Yeah, to we stopped Co- it. We stopped at Anchor Point. To Kodiak? Like, that's one. Anchor, Anchor Point is where we pulled out because legally and technically that's where we can do it. Okay. So we're in Homer, actually. In is the, that where the tractor is pole Anch- is right there? Like in that tractor video? Is, the tractor is Anchor Point. Okay. That, and that's where you, you guys are getting back in the water from your stop? Correct. Okay. Either out or in. I didn't see the Voto, but yeah. It was, go, uh, here's it was going the fog. in the water. This yeah. is the fog. We couldn't see each other, and we had to ride closer, and the support boat's lights, we couldn't tell the where they were. support boat, though, that big aluminum so, boat? Yeah, if you go back yeah. a shot, yeah, but yeah. The, he's still porpoising. So anyhow, yeah. So <laughs> of that, mm-hmm. the the upper shots, when it was shown aerial, that is from the Coast Guard. Oh, okay. That's the Coast Guard chopper. All right. That's did they know, did they know you guys right were out there? there? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. you told them, or they got wind of it. Um, no, um, uh, it was logged what we were gonna do. It was oh, okay. brought up. We even have, uh, we even had, um, we put. Uh, I forget what those devices are called, but they're like these round things to where uh, satellite can pick you up and the radar can pick you up. Mm. And it's for all vessels have them, but ours are so small, like a radar that device? they couldn't pick it up. Yeah, it was. There were radar receptors, okay. so if a radar would pick you up, mm. and so they had a. There was a site. And it was it was monitoring the wet dog and who was where in the wet dog deal, and so they would know where we were mm. all along the line. And it was because we all had one of these stuffed in our on bo- our boats, little tracking mm. our machines. Right. Okay, yeah. and they're they're like a round aluminum with like um, connecting points in it, kind of like a a big I don't know hollow marble for a better description mm-hmm. of uh, of sub support pieces, and that's what it does to trigger the the satellite like mm. a great big x in the middle of a ball only there's no skin mm. all aluminum mm. what was the deal with that support boat was all our fuel extra food food just in case we had some problems we could always tow a ski extra yeah. parts we had, we had plenty of towing well once we got rolling the extra parts got put in the support boat but when we first started everything was in our skis split up between us right. so like i said mm. when we first started we kind of had a little different mentality of how we were going to pull it off because everything had to go with us from Anchorage to Kenai and Kenai to Homer. Mm-hmm. Then the support boat was there. So then we transposed a lot of our stuff in the mm. support boat mm. and kind of lightened up our load and went from there. Did you plan to have the support boat at the beginning or that was something when you got to Anchor Point? You it wasn't to, yeah, quite yeah. Uh, 100% sure worked out when we uh-huh. first started because of uh, an agreement and uh-huh. what was already, um, I think, um, uh, scheduled for the uh-huh. boat itself. And I think something fell through. So then it was capable because we needed the boat to be with us for the entire thing right, once it right. started. Mm. So there was something that had to be worked out there. Right. So when we pulled out an anchor point and we were fixing the 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 uh, fuel cells and some of the other issues we had yeah. and getting things kind of reorganized and re-dealt with before we roll again. So then that decision was as to, you know, the support boat's carrying everything. It will be with us from A to B till the end. And so, yeah. And that's like a Ninilchik or anchor point six pack commercial fishing. Homer. Or- Homer, okay. Well, who was it? What boat? Do you remember? At the time, the boat was called uh, Memory Maker. <laughs> and that Perfect. boat got bought by a gentleman that lives in Palmer mm-hmm. by the name of Ted Nugent. Oh, She no longer owns it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, what kind of boat is it? It is a 34-foot Seawolf. Oh, okay. Mm. And it's twin Volvo... 
Penta twin prop that can do, I think, almost keep up with us. I think it could do like 42. Okay. It's a pretty mm. fast boat, yeah. all diesel. Yeah. And mm. very roomy, nice platform. Yeah, it looked nice. Night interior, had space for a lot of people to keep warm and be indoors and mm -hmm. heat on board. And so it was a perfect support boat. It had speed, agility, um, an excellent boat captain. His name was Bruce and uh, the owner that pulled it all off, too. So it was, it was a very good package. It was, everything Sweet. turned out well. So when, when you land in these places, you know, you're camping on shore for the night, right? You bring, or are you on the boat? We were ready to camp on shore, and the camp on shore scene was the backup. Okay. Mm -hmm. But along mm -hmm. the way, we'd already tried to get it to where we had, we had beds to sleep in okay. and a warm place to thaw our stuff out. Yeah. Sure. Dry out. Didn't always work out, okay? But that was the evil plan from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So along the way, we had all our camp gear ready to camp. But I don't think once did we ever fully pull out camp. We always made it to where we were for the night. Or someone put us up that we came yeah, in contact with. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it worked out. So if you have, like, this horrible weather after a night there, are you going in the horrible weather? Or is there, like... There's no option. Okay. Or... You stay another day and wait the weather out. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. Are you right. are you rocking the terrible weather in like we're, no matter what we're going, or is there that conversation like ah you know it doesn't look that nice? We're it was group uh, conversation and group voting, but uh, for the most part, we all were pretty pretty dedicated to where we wanted to pull it off. So yeah, yeah. it was definitely um, let's push through, let's make it happen. What's the worst weather you had coming across from Wide Bay? Where's Wide Bay? Across from the other side of the Aleutians uh -huh. from Larson Bay at the bottom oh, tip so of the like Kodiak. Oh, so like across uh, Chelikoff? Exactly. It's across Chelikoff Straits. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. And what was that kind of weather? It was beautiful when we went across. Uh-huh. It was just tantalizing. Yeah. Smooth. Uh -huh. Tantalizing. Foot down, throttle <laughs> down. That's rock. Yeah, I like that word. Then Very when we gentle. get to wide bay, the wind is blowing sideways and there's waves kicking. Mm -hmm. And you can't even come close to the shore without beating yourself and the ski up. How big are waves? The boat could not keep anchor and it dropped two anchors. Damn. You, we, how big was the swell? I'm estimating. You couldn't see. It was one. See, can't see. Yeah. See, can't see. Like 10 footers. Oh, don't try again. Jeez. Try 15 to 20. What? Oh, wow. 15 Holy to shit. 20. Because the whole boat disappeared. Yeah. yeah. You and don't get seasick, and it's, do you? And it's 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 20 something feet tall from the bottom to the get top those of sea it. legs going. So, yeah. Damn. No, I didn't get sick, but we would lose each other. Mm -hmm. We would be the width of this room apart, and you would lose your other ski trying to keep an eye on each other. Right, right. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. It was rough. And well, then we beached for the night, mm -hmm. made a huge campfire, and guess what the boat captain tells us? There's a large shadow of a bear that's directly above you guys that <laughs> can't seem to come down the cliff to get to you. <laughs> and we had the biggest bonfire we could even get yeah, any of our yeah, hands yeah, on, yeah, yeah. and we got this big monster fire going on, uh -huh. and it's just nothing we can do to uh -huh. and the wind not to put that fire out. A Lucian boar right above you, and it's right there. <laughs> it's yeah. right there, and a bear couldn't come down to get to us where we were, and a lot of wet dogs I, down there. I think oh, unlucky yeah. bear. I'm I sure you guys smelled right. Somebody looking out for us because a bear would have had a wet dog toothpick in the yeah. morning. So yeah, yeah someone would have died. 
I didn't even know what he was. I would imagine a grizz because it's out there on an open oh, rock big, and out, big brown bear, out yeah. hunting around. And so, you know, I'm just, we didn't, we didn't really see it, but that was. Um, where, where was that again? That's the, in Wide Bay. Wide Bay? Wide Bay. It's across Shellacoff, almost okay. directly from Larson Bay due south about, I don't know. Hundred, hundred and a half ish on the mile mark. I'm, I'm guessing. Like I said, I gotta look at a map. Like I said, it's been a few years ago. I mean, I know it, but I, I need. Yeah. That's why I want a map in front of me when I start talking, so I don't yeah. say the wrong places. Yeah. No worries. Uh, uh, what? Run down like a list of uh, what you would bring on that jet ski. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Hold your breath. All right. Sat phone. Couple of flashlights. Couple of knives. Both skinning, camping, cutting, wood cutting. You also need uh, fiberglass tools. So you need. Backup fiberglass. You need insta hole filler. You need aluminum repairs, aluminum yeah. repair. You need extra hose clamps. You need extra hoses of different diameters. You need uh, uh, signaling mirror, pocket laser, uh, your backup sat phone, um, two way radios between you and if you get your separated from your other uh, partner or four, um, extra clothes, uh, extra blankets. Um, Lightweight stuff, everything across the board is lightweight stuff, and everything is little Pelican containers. So you've got three or four items in this Pelican container. you got your Binox in that Pelican container. you got your sat phone in another Pelican container. Oh, yeah, and don't forget to close your valves. Uh, all the rest <laughs> of it is uh, extra socks, extra neoprene, extra hoodies, extra gloves. And I mean extra because once it's wet, you got no dried-out time, and you got to change out, be warm, and move on. And everything can't be electric. So solar uh, recharger for both your sat and your cell phone. Solar recharger for possibly your phone batteries, or I mean your uh, flashlight batteries. Um, of course, your extra gear. You have your extra parts, uh, your immediates, plugs, uh, oil filter, and oil, just in case you submerge it and it does suck in water. Um, your water fuel separator. Um uh, a headlamp, if not two. Almost I don't double, know, forgetting almost some other stuff. Of everything. What about food-wise or water? Instant food, that's instant gratification. Snickers? That's okay, but you need, like, trail mix and your your nut bars, and you need, like, your granolas, and you need uh, protein bars. You need real food. Snickers will last, but not as good as your protein bar. Okay. Protein bar, you can get five hours out of. Snicker, you get one. Yeah. So... It's a lot of a lot of that in uh, instant foods, freeze dried food like mountain houses and things of that nature. Somewhat yes, but most of the time I went with the military food myself because it uh, didn't need. I didn't need the moisture, and I knew we'd be in a water problematic area. It to boil your salt water, you need a lot longer, and then fresh water wasn't always going to be a possibility. Mm. Spare water was the other thing, and instead of one big container, you had a whole bunch of little ones stashed away because it's space, space, space is a big Mm. problem, Mm -hmm. and then you have to put those in something so they don't get beat to death so they've leaked all over your hull and got pumped out the pump and then you go to get a nice fresh <laughs> bottle of water and you break the cap on an empty bottle that is just so disappointing uh, so sad yep so i'd put them in uh tube containers like um launch tubes for rockets for your fireworks and those would protect them as they were bouncing around in the back engine compartment because oh, they, they could be warm nicked. but they wouldn't mm. get beat up so yeah that's what i used to keep two bottles per and then have them capped mm. off with duct tape and then zip-tied yeah. into places so they wouldn't bounce around. Huh. So everything just gets beat to hell. Absolutely. You're just 
Thrash and stomp. I mean, just smash beat. I, I was even daylights. watching um, the video when you guys were just clipping along, especially your buddy was porpoising pretty bad there. I was just like watching his like torso compress like every time. How, look at look at those photos. Look at how I'm riding up back. on my legs. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you about like I your raise, physical. I raise side. my butt a little bit and I ride like motocross style. Oh, so the butt that. bounces so you're, so off your the legs, cushion. Your legs are kind of absorbing. I'm taking the blows and lifting myself up and pulling with my arms, just like motocross. Yeah. Yep. Pull right. with your arms a little bit, lift with your legs a little bit, and then it'll bounce you a little bit on the cushions. Mm-hmm. And so it helps take that absorption. You mm-hmm. noticed. The other individual was not. He had total butt in the seat deep. Oh, he was just And he was taking, taking the blows. That's yeah. why he was wore out every time we stopped. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he just sat there. Yep. You got to mix it up, right? You got to. Sit and rest, stand like up, stand, take it. knee on the seat just like you would in a snow machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stand totally up and totally take the b- jumps with your kind legs. Kind of absorb it in different ways versus Absolutely. just like constantly on your spine Can't be the or same torso all the time. or whatever. Take your legs farther back. Do like what's kind of minimum Superman, kind of a medium Superman stance. Yeah. Then let your ankles mm. take a little bit and your wrists and arms take a little bit. And then you change up again and get your Start feet forward. Pull, pull your, push your foot to the front. Lift yourself up and you can kind of ride a little differently. You got to change it up because if not, you just get thumped too hard. Yeah, yeah it tears you apart. It does. Um, we, we can't help but relate a lot of this um, – crazy hobby to the snow machine racing so yep. so forgive me if i'm asking another like oh like the iron dog you know no um the the, the iron dog guys that came in they mentioned part of their training regimen was uh pre-races and short races and um hair scrambles i think was what they they called it which i never did actually figure out what the definition of a hair scramble was but mm-hmm. did you guys do some preemptive training or some set courses and things that you did to kind of prepare yourself oh, for practice, this little yeah I like just like like some, like some warm-ups or yeah, some preseason type stuff uh, uh, peter and i did we took Thank some you. runs you, and made a uh, little bit longer runs and tried to do the a little bit to try and get ourselves ready for it i did uh, several hours on a rowing machine i have my own okay. i also did uh, i have a gazelle and so you train. I do a little you, bit of treadmill. Yeah. I just wanted to get myself to where I'm not shocked knowing it's every day going to be on the ski. So then we'd make a couple runs out in the inlet, and what we would do, we would jump waves. And so okay. we, we go out when the tide's coming in, and the waves are just nasty and gnarly. Yeah, pushing, and we're pushing, out there pushing. thumping and beating and banging and going through waves and giving it that all. At the same time, I'm testing my gear that I've yep, brought. That was my next and question. And I threw it in yeah. there and just to make sure mm-hmm. I'd learn some little what's I can's and can't do. Mm-hmm. Like what thin, holds up, what doesn't. Thin PVC didn't hold up. That's why I moved on to the rocket launchers because mm. I couldn't find... Di- uh, thicker uh, PVC pipe to fit mm. the bottles. So anyhow, so yeah, and so yeah. so the the other thing Your was trial and error. You certain, just were trying different things. Certain things I'd put in uh, pelican containers. If you don't mm. take up all the absorption in them, oh, if you don't if you don't much. make everything super tight, it'll beat things up like the mm-hmm. bulbs on your flashlight or yes. or yeah. uh, so scratching those up the heat, lenses. Those heat packets will get punched and then they're already heated and done by the time you need one of the heat so packets, are you doing so. like folding like say dish rags or something in there to kind of compress nope. and kind of hold stuff i use or? things that i knew i would need like toilet paper nice tissue uh, yeah. wipes that's what i was using yep. stuff that i could use and the pelican cases seem to be 
the best product to hold up to the pounding and the abuse. Plus the compartmentizing of it all. So think oh, about the ski. Yeah. I couldn't get the Thin, big monster tight. pelican cases. Mm-hmm. I have so many pelican cases, it's sick. But I think I have, <laughs> I have, I have every model. Oh, I, have, I bet. I yeah, have every model every from, size. from the suitcase that rolls onto the airplane with the wheels and the retractable handle. I forget the number to it. All the way down to the... The fifteen twenty, yeah. which is about the smallest model I think they sell. So yeah, and and just trying to make it work out. I found mm-hmm. out what pair my West Marine Binox fit in to the snuggest and got that model. I think it's the sixteen hundreds, whatever they are. But wow. so I just found what works and I just start stacking the Pelican cases and I take what I need to put in the Pelican case. I'd size it up. Put it in that pillow. So you do the full geek out. You like just spread it on the table yeah, and start messing around. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like a lot yeah, of geek hours out. Hours and hours phone has to fit in the case by itself, tight, extra batteries, charger, the whole nine yards. Color coded so you know which one it no, is. No, can't or? do that because no, I no. run out of colors because there's orange, yellow, blue, black, oh, white. Okay. So you're done. Oh, gray. So okay. that's it. You're done right. with colors. So I had to write on it what they are. Binox, sat phone, da-da-da-da-da. So yeah. First aid kit, sockets. I get off my bandwagon, but yeah, yeah, no, that's everything's great. labeled. Um, another, I, I, I was wondering about just looking at this this image here, and I, forgive me if you guys asked. I I might have been dealing with our technical difficulties and missed this part. Fuel capacity. So you guys made the run Anchorage Kenai Kenai Anchor Point. Now you have support boat. Did the fuel capacity and carrying process change? Once you got the support boat, did you were you able to unload the fuel, give it to him? Okay. What what I, okay, so fuel capacity was needed for runtime in between top offs. Like what were your ranges? We had to fuel out in the open water and that got to be challenging. Mm. Okay. There were times where we got it planned, and so we were able to fuel when we were either docked or in calm waters. Mm-hmm. Or at a but camp or something fueling like that. in rough water ended up being this drill. Mm. A five-gallon can was thrown to you because you couldn't get close to the boat. You yourself had to take that five-gallon can, and I used the jiggle hose instead of the pouring f- method. With, with the, uh, the, the f- siphoning. Siphon. Yeah. Yeah. Jiggle hose. Yeah, jiggle hose. Hold it up All on right, top of the handlebars, it. Okay. put it in your lap, yeah. put the nozzle down in there, jiggle hose it, sit there and watch the fish while it does the watering, or fueling, I mean. So, once we figured that out, it was great. Before that, it was put the nozzle on it, tip it up, hold it on the outer what edge, get it fueled. So, yeah. So, Trying it was not learning. to dump fuel everywhere. Right, right. Yep. And, and so, that was the bad method. Now, once we ran out of the five-gallon cans, we went to the 55 and 30-gallon fuel cells that are on the boat, Mm. that got to be more of a challenge because we had to have calm waters to pull up next to the boat to fuel the skis. Mm. And we couldn't do it. The, the, excuse me, the skis fuel on on our set of skis, I want to say it's our left side. So you had to come up with that side towards the boat to be able to one person hold the ski because it would constantly be shifting and bouncing and the yeah. waves going on and then put the nozzle in, let it fill, watch the watch how full it gets, leave your tether on so you can watch the gauge get up close, try not to spill, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Yeah, I imagine you had to... I'm trying to, like, envision the process. Like, 
empty the fuel from a big fuel cell in the boat, probably into a fiver at times, and then hand that to you because now it's too rough to get up to the big they, boat. That, no, when we had when we unloaded, we had fivers. That's okay. what got handed to us at first to fill okay. the skis. Mm. After that, we're on what's already on the boat, which are 55s and 30s. Mm. Those weren't transferred because it was too rough for water to transfer them to fives and hand it to us, plus time consuming. Oh, yeah. So we just brought the forever, skis up next yeah. to the boat. And transferred it mm, via hose mm-hmm. over to no, no tying up. You couldn't tie oh, them up. Just you had to hang it. on. <laughs> one had to hang on, and one had to do the hose. Two or three had to help with the hosing, uh, the the fueling hose, and uh, hold on to the ski and put it in the the intake uh, cap of the Sounds ski. Sounds stressful. Mm, a little know, bit. Something to do. Just part of the process. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Showing it can be done. Yeah. Oh, well, we did have a video crew totally on board the whole time. So I got to bring up a little funny. So we're hitting sure. nasty waters, okay? I am one-handed outside the boat, so close to the boat, we can see each other like what you and I are seeing, which is in the ballpark of three feet, maybe yeah, four. tight. Okay? And I'm yelling at him because his butt wasn't outside filming us in this nasty, nappy waters that we need on record <laughs> as, he's in there with the a, as he's in there with a bucket getting sick. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Poor, oh, well, you didn't bring a so I kept coming up. Guy. I kept coming up and going, where's the camera guy? We're losing all this awesome footage. Where's the camera guy? So that's he's what Bruce would tell you. Over there. Ron kept coming by. Where's the camera guy? Yeah. Well, no camera guy here. <laughs> Give me the camera. Well, now with GoPros and all that, you might. That's well, my- we brought a couple GoPros, but they didn't last long. You know, no, the those batteries, batteries don't last shot, long. So, man. You'd have so, to bring a thousand batteries exactly, and chargers. Exactly. And- well, what about um, as you're going for, you know, 100 miles, what are you listening to? There was, uh, Gina had tunes on hers, and she brought a uh, storage stick stored with the phone, tunes. I didn't do the tune thing. I was more into making it in the statics of all of our gear and whatnot. I didn't do that. Hot grips were important to me. Lights was the other thing I didn't even cover. Most jet skis don't even come with lights. I knew oh, we'd be. Yeah. I know we'd oh, be I running. Look at the picture there. That's right. Yeah, I know we'd be running in nasty lights. weather, so we put lights on our three. Okay. Oh, smart. Yep, Gina, Peter, and I. All and now with the lights, lights and light bars, the I'm nav sure. lights. Yeah. Well, we had uh, headlamps with. Uh, they went on top of our helmets, and they were. I uh, should remember like the, the lead name dog. Of those. Lead dog. Lead dogs. Ones? The red ones. Yeah. 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 Yep. And that helped out a lot too. And they went to our cigarette plug-in, which was an extra additive too. Well, and did you yeah. prefer to hear the jet ski while you're running? I wanted so you to could make hear sure for anything that wasn't right. That and other people may be trying to get my attention because oh. wind going by and water and splash and the jet ski sounds are already enough for sound. And so if someone's trying to get my attention, matter of fact, I know I put my keys away, but always pack a whistle and or uh, the loud mm. uh, Fox 40 whistles, not the ones with the balls in them. Yeah. So if you get water in the one with the ball, you can't yeah, blow, yeah, it doesn't, you can't yeah, make it doesn't a whistle sound. Right. Yep. The Fox 40s don't have a ball in it. Yep. So that's something else that uh, is awesome to be on the water. So that way you, you're making that whistle. I can whistle, but I can't whistle nowhere as loud as one of those whistles do. So we're trying to get each other's attention. If it ain't the light, the green laser, or the whistle, we're getting somebody's attention real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. How far on average are you away from each other just general running and and you got hours on end topped off of fuel you're going to make this long run that depended on the water okay if the water was flat and i could see the Spread support boat okay. and we were hammering down and trying to beat each other cuz we were just playing mm-hmm. 20 plus miles i could see the vessel 
and I'm out front, and we're just running because we want to. Then we stop and fish while we wait on them. Oh, really? Because we were doing 55-ish. The oh, boat okay. The boat was doing maybe 35-ish, and others that were porpoising were doing less. Oh, so you'd pull away from oh, the group. yeah. Put the yeah. hammer down. Show them, like, this is where it's a race. We're supposed to be acting like it's a race. Let's <laughs> go. Right. That's right. So we'd zip out. Wet dog we'd race. We'd stop. Yeah. We'd drop a line, get a little nibble. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the logistics of the race. Is there, like, mm. um, who's timing it? Are you clocking yourselves? Is there someone that's official that's, you know, clocking it? I'm sure. I know that this is progressing, um, but where, where was it before, and what, what's envisioned next? That is what part of the complications were on everything because uh, it would have to be as a team for one. And the other is is that the teams start and they're spread out, so it isn't everybody at once, mm-hmm. and it's all about the duration and distance. As I'm understanding what he wanted to do to make this happen was is that do it in that aspect where it's an endurance race, and just like they do in the rest of our state's tricks, is starting time, 15 minutes later, there's another pair, 15 minutes, there's another pair, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 kind of that deal. And then there's checkpoints. So there's uh, the watching crew, which makes sure they're making it from one point to another during that time frame uh, in the midway. So on a 100-mile stretch, there should have been somebody every 25 miles kind of being in watch. Oh, yeah. The pair two just went by, you know, pair three just went by and monitoring all that. That is where the problem lied because mm. the spread of the distance of both the logistics of the race and where it is and how it is, these would have to be pretty large vessels that were supporting where they could house and have a crew that could be 24 7. Yeah. Because if they started out with, let's just pick a number from the sky, say 15 groups were doing the race yeah and they did it so far apart and they try to do it daily that right there just tells you just how long and how spread out that that would have to be so are they going to go a day take a day break pick up the next day or is it a back to back to back to back deal or is it where you know we see how fast they made it from a to b and then how fast the next group made it from B to C and then C to D and E to F and that kind of thing. So that's part of it that didn't kind of get truly worked out that I'm yeah. aware of. I would think that in the in the future, if this progresses, when it progresses, you'd probably mm-hmm. need, um, kind of like the Iron Dog guys, your own support boat. You know what I'm saying? How they have their mm-hmm. own plane, you need mm-hmm. your own support boat that's just like part of the team where it's you and the other guy or two guys and then two people on the boat. That was um, brainstormed as well. Now let's do that math. Let's just say there's 10 teams. Now there's 10 planes, 10 boats between Anchorage and Homer, just to use it as an example. Yeah. Sounds expensive. And uh, very, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but very um, congested. Because we got now 10 aircraft rolling in an area where there's certain places they can't fly over. The Mm. oil rigs, the flight patterns for to and fro, uh, both Anchorage, Kenai, and Homer. So there's that in the logistics, okay? And then there's boats on the water as well. And the boats are in the same restricted thing where there's certain places they can go. They got to yeah. be in the main channel. They can't be over in the shallows. They got to, if everybody got to run in the channel, the channels aren't marked. So. Mm. Sounds like some Alaska shit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's the logistics of it all and try to be where we're fair to everybody, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
break it all out. And so there's that yeah. too, to, to kind of, kind of just, you know, put your head around and try to, and then look at the size of what you're dealing with. Yeah. You know, which is insane. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. Let's go ahead, Jack. So the, it's all 2009. Like what's, yeah, that's what I want to, that's yeah, exactly what I was going to ask. What like, happens next? like, so it's 2009, 2010. Have you guys attempted other routes? And if you have, let's talk about those. And if not, what what's the next? Um, what's the timeline look like? We had a little meeting, uh, somebody's birthday, and uh, when we were all there, we took a picture, and it was the main five of us that did the race. And um, this same question came up as we're bringing it up, and he is supposedly still working on logistics. I have suggested several times to where. What we've done so far and what can happen is that we can either do a couple of options, and these are all my suggestions, that will make it happen and not be so complicated mm. and supports on all directions. That's mm -hmm. why I'm bringing it up. Anchorage Homer, Homer, around Kodiak, whichever part of Kodiak you want, back around to either Seward, either Seward-Whittier, or even end up in Valdez. We can make the 2,000 miles easy. Got it. Plus, done. All the ports have enough fishing vessels that would take that support challenge on and be there. Fuel, food, emergency, towing capabilities, hoist them on board, take care of them if they got hypothermic issues, any of the above. Mm. Helicopter can come and pick them up if there's that kind yeah, of need. Coast Guard posts okay? all over the place. Done. Yeah. Done. It's yeah. easy. Okay? Pick, pick the mileage, pick the place. Yeah. Go from Anchorage. Go down circumference Kodiak and come back. Done. I cannot answer why those suggestions are not being taken to heart. Do they want it to be bigger than that? I believe that's part of it. Yeah. I believe yeah. the, the bigger package, the bigger um, hype, the yeah. bigger draw, but it's doable. I mean, we've done it. That's why I'm saying it. It yeah. has happened. It's been done. It's been, it's been plotted to the point to where we're showing it can be done. The villages have issues with gas. That's big number one problem with the Aleutians. Mm. Diesel up the green yang, but gas is a limited issue. But not if you had your own support boat. You're right, but think about the Aleutians. Think about the Aleutians and think about packing a support boat that'll take enough gas. Yeah, that's a long... Well, that, that goes from 2,000 miles to what? What about going the other way? Or starting, like, in the southeast and coming up? You'd have more, like, port towns that have... Unleaded, like fuel. start down in Ketchikan or something. Yeah, Ketchikan. Mm -hmm. or if you start like anywhere else other than Anchorage, you've just lost jet ski enthusiasts. Well, start in Anchorage and go south then. Right, I, I'm I'm saying. Yeah, and yes, you're right. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like the just like the ferry leaves out of Whittier, Juno, um, Ketchikan, yeah, Juno, Cordova, whatever. I wonder if it would get more, you know support if if it was just a smaller race at at first you know there's not a lot of people yeah people are into big like you know snow machine trips and all this stuff there's not a lot of big alaska like you know outdoor that, that loses skiers. the alaska theme that but loses the whole that 2000. would actually be like yeah well it loses that but that would be something i would do you know if we were like hey we're gonna leave from you know anchorage and we're gonna go around to um you know just whittier right like i would be down to do well, that I, well i brought that up oh, like as a support I, boat or something no, or just well, do it right. like, I mean, I just go right being up. a smaller like let there be like almost a circuit of these smaller I th am i saying am yeah, i right yeah, Jack? and then you build like this a circuit hype. of smaller races that lead up to this like big long race right. and then 
you might gain more traction and more more uh, brought that up momentum. as well. Treat it like a poker run. You lo- yes, you treat yes, it like a poker yes, run. run. I've already yeah. brought that up. Oh my god! Do yeah. a poker run and do a small run first. Make it short. Make it happen. Make yeah. it go. You do like three days down to Whittier. Make or whatever, it simple. And no, make it go anchors to Homer. Done. One poker run. Just get it out of the way. Yeah. Then do the next one. Well, you get, might get more guys that just may not have the resources, but the skills and the right machine, but. Well, that's why I'm saying. Bre- that's why I'm saying break the ice. That's yeah, why I'm saying break yeah, the there ice. There it is. Yeah. Just get yeah. it. Just get yeah. something off the ground where we've pulled a race off, even if it's just a Kenai. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting yeah. that there's yeah. not a poker run type thing already, right? There's these poker runs everywhere. I would want to do one step above a poker run, like a three day kind of like something that was like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. It was a little scary. But then the other thing that happens, you get all these people in that were like, hey, I just want to try this. But then there's that one diehard in 20 that like goes on and he inspires some other people and then wants to do these huge races. Right. And then you're also learning all these issues that you guys encountered and how to, you know, deal with them um, and improve like how you guys operate. And then, and then a big race is suddenly doable where there's sponsors and there's money behind it and all that kind of stuff. Another suggestion that I've made is just do the Whittier one, Whittier to Valdez. Yeah. And, and make that Whittier to Valdez back to Whittier to Anchorage or something. Well, Whittier to Anchorage is a hump. So I hear you. But oh, that's that's got to be gnarly, right? Actually, and so to that's come all the way exactly. around. So that's Ooh, why I'm saying wow. the Whittier to Valdez is a hundred miler, and it's been done already several times. And so, yeah. back in the day, I mean, it's it's easy. So that's yeah, why I'm it'd be bringing super it up. Super easy to yeah. do that one. And so that would be a good icebreaker. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm saying you can almost since, do that in a day. Anchorage. Oh yeah, like three hours. Yeah, yeah. However, the big jet skis are in Wasilla, not so much Anchorage. There is some Anchorage that's got jet skis. But Wasilla has grown in jet ski popularity, just like you see mm. in a big lake, Lake Louise, Lake Lucille, Nancy um, Lake, Nancy Lake. Yeah. All those big the jet skis mm-hmm. are really taking Whatever a big spin. Lake okay, Daniel's going to be on soon. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. So, so anyhow, of that, that's why I'm saying that you know it, you're right. It's the popularity, but the Anchorage and the Kinnick is kind of a turnoff, and it's 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 gnarly. It's silty. It, it's oh, it always. Sense, it's got yeah. the. It's got the wave issues or and, and the tide issues. So that's why I bring up Whittier just to bounce around and yeah. explain. Launch and go. You know, you know maybe okay. like bring it. Try something like the Montague Cup used to be. Like you, you leave from Whittier, you get out to Montague, you got six hours to go try to shoot a deer, or catch the biggest silver or whatever, and then get your ass back like in a day. Something that like adds a little bit more Alaska flair. Mm. That's a good idea. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not nixing that. I'll That's go not do that one with you. Yeah. So let's just put a reality check on that one. Then how about this? Go out, catch your halibut, and come back. It doesn't matter where you go. I would do that too because that was brought up as well. But is it the biggest halibut combined with no. time? Like there's no. got to be like it's some get sort of a ratio. halibut in your ski and get back with it, and then we'll go talk about the weight. Yeah, I th- you think because you you don't have to go very far for a halibut. Yeah. So, th- so these are all though. things that are still up for discussion and brainstorming. And your guys' core group of four or five guys are probably just bouncing ideas off each other. Um, obviously, you guys have proven that you could do something that's you know two thousand miles or whatever. Um, is there like what's it going to take to you know, a lot of time has elapsed? Yeah, what's it, what's it going to take to to make this happen? Because I think that a lot of people would be highly interested in this race. I mean, I'm talking global sponsors. Totally, um, I feel like 11 years has lost its fizzle. In my own opinion, 
Okay, I would agree. So with it's that. a long, it's a long time it's a decade, to where man. to where things have have kind of just gone by the wayside. But but that's the reason. Like we're brainstorming about what we're talking about. I think a nice short run where you can get at least part of Alaska involved, even if we don't yeah. drag any outsiders in on it. That's why I'm saying about the hundred miler. Yeah, Take and then you can bring in the average. Take kind of guy that might have his his own deal at Big Lake or Nancy Lake or any of these lakes. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna try to come Valdez in. Valdez has this. the Valdez has the housing. Is why I keep picking on Valdez. Mm. I know Valdez enough. You a know lot Valdez. of a lot of locals have already been doing it. Right, and yeah. and there's that. So the interest from Valdez alone and Big Lake and the and the places where jet skis are, are pretty popular. I think it. You know, a lot of people aren't aren't too savvy on on wanting to go on the salt water. Okay, but we've got a tours. There's a guy that took and started up a tour company that's out of Whittier. Yeah, yep. and he yep. takes tours. Yes. And Seward's got another one. That's right. So those I think would be participants. And I'm just yep. stabbing, but I'm saying that just a short, quick run to break the ice. Once that run turns out to be a success, and we get the people that are involved that really want to be a part of it, I think that. Is where the ball will really start warning and the interest will really start warning. We can stretch it out even longer. Yeah, we yeah. are so, not. Yeah. So I'm on a, I'm on a dream factor. Far away. I have like, a dream, so let me move on. Yeah, so, go ahead. Whittier to Seward, okay? Then Whittier to Seward, and then to Homer, okay? And so then Anchorage yeah. to Seward, to Homer, around to Seward, and then down to Kodiak. And that's why I'm saying is that, like you were saying earlier, I think I think breaking the ice is key. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a long time. We've had kind of a little a little lag, if you will, and and I think it's. Too much, too big, too uh, extravagant, and and, mm. and, yeah. and too stiff on the purse. But it's a great goal. It is. Well, it, it is. is. It is awesome. Now, now, yeah. now, is there something similar where they're going around Florida? They're going around the Keys. Is there anyone else that's I've even attempting this in Texas? Or I know we like bounced that? around, but I've already done personally from uh, Key West, um, from uh, Fort Lauderdale out to uh, the Bahamas, and that's another hundred mile run, and it's a, it's doable. But, but they don't have like Two official. Skis. Uh, in Florida, they're I think they're talking about the the jet ski finals. Are talking about moving to Florida, and it's been part of the the uh, jet ski journal. They've been talking about that. And they're still in Havasu, but they're talking about moving it to Florida. And what they're wanting to do is in certain places in Florida, they're wanting to do it, and it's because of the Bahamas run of a hundred mile. Mm. They want to do a a circuit track race or what they call circuit race, which is the buoys and tracked and whatever yeah. and they want to do a long long distance one the california one does the coastal and i think i think that one's like a 15 or 20 mile coastal run so they're on the shoreline running but i think that's what is in the making already and in the works but they know that skis that's on the jagged edge if you were yeah. full throttling it that whole way and trying to really bust a, a speed or a time gap, you know, you're probably going to run your hundred mile gap down to to nothing. So, yeah. so I think I think that's what might be holding it back is that you don't want to put people out there and get them. You know, that's a stretch. You just think about that. Bahamas to to the U, Florida U.S. There, that whole stretch, they'd have to have safety vessels along the way. Well, of course, support and all that. So, with, yeah. I think that's I think that's the biggest problem. I think that's where it's at. I think yeah. it's trying to get that support, trying to get that backing, well, trying to get the, to where we can yeah. get that off the ground. The costs yeah. of doing anything are just expensive. And where does that come it, from? Is the key? You know, who's going to foot that? Ron Sponsors. Pay. Hell no. <laughs> Tiny wee widow wallet, no sir. Well, I mean Kawasaki. Did Pelican. I tell you how Pel- short my toy list was? I mean, yeah, Pelican case. I mean, there's all these big corporate companies that I feel like 
if it were if it were you know incubated and like nourished and brought to this like build up you could get corporate sponsorship involved oh, yeah. sure yeah. But I think it, you know, I think Jack was right on the key where you start off with these little races that yeah. eventually right. turn into right. bigger it's races. Take guys big coming dreamers. out of pocket at yeah. first, yes. absolutely, always on anything amazing, yeah. which you guys have already kind of laid the groundwork. And, oh, and there 100%. are there are a lot of ex- extreme expedition offshore jet ski people and groups. I mean, I think we talk about dangerous waters. Those guys are ridiculous. They mm-hmm. go around the planet on jet skis. And oh, and, you guys are touching a nerve. You know, I ran into these guys right. I no. talked to him and I offered help and I even helped him. No shit. Oh yeah, nice. what, coming through Alaska. What is it? What yes, is sir. It? Dangerous, waters? dangerous waters, man. Yep. Like I. Yep. What is I that? I know, like the tip of the iceberg on these guys, but they have done the most extreme. Met them in the Nilchik as they were coming down through and headed to Homer, and then offered my phone number and services to them. They called me on a Friday. I had to uh, borrow a truck at the time, a Toyota pickup truck from a guy named. I called Ratchet Jaw, and he loaned me his Toyota. I went to CC Skidoo River, picked up a eight-place jet ski trailer to put one jet ski on the center of the trailer axles and hauled it to Homer and launched it in Homer at midnight. And I got off work at four thirty. You're a good man. You're just and that's it. for the that's for the Dangerous Water Boys. That's cool. Can't make it up. I'm on one of their episodes. Dangerous Waters is yep. that Dangerous, Dangerous Waters. Team Waters. They're on. Uh, they're on. Uh, I think it's the Discovery Channel. I think is where they are. Okay. Yeah. Never yeah. heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Let's yeah. check it yeah. out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is there? I, I would assume. Do they have like, you know, teams of people? I was like ready. To, water, I was like ready, South to, Africa, I was ready to quit Florida. my job and be a part of that group so bad. Yeah. Oh, I had to bite. I would. That's why I volunteered myself. Whatever they needed, I'm there for them. You mean the Anchorage School District is not enough? Shh, quiet. <laughs> My employer, stop it. No, these guys are crazy. I remember just stumbling across it on cable TV years ago. Yep. And these guys were in like Russia or they something. They got held up in Russia. Yeah. Because like, they like didn't they get got... permission from the military. Oh, right. Yeah, but they right. supposedly. Oh. Yeah, right here. To somebody. See, they like pulled them off the water. And yeah. Like, yeah. Boys. Like, yeah. And they ran the same machines we did. Oh, okay. Copycats. So dangerous. Five dudes embark upon. uh, There may be a female, actually. Dan. Uh, The original epic adventure riding their personal watercraft from Seattle up through Alaska and across the Bering Strait. Steve Mull. Ah, I got his phone. And they and they think their their trip got kiboshed when they came up around the Arctic Circle and they got hung up in the ice. Right. Mm. Yeah, they uh, trailered, I think, for a certain point and then picked up again. So, yeah, I, I yeah, had lost then, track. To, to and be, then, so they got stuck and then they picked up their trip in Europe somewhere. Right. Where they shipped everything over. And then there yep. was this huge fucking delay on getting their their jet skis over. And, and then approval. getting a rele- approval. And approval. That's what it was. Yep. They waited like days and Permission. days and days. And then, then, yep. then the weather came in and they sat there just staring at the yep. waves, smashing, yep. and they finally got released. Absolutely. And, Continued their Met run, these guys in Anchorage in their rig, and it had a mural on the side of their RV, and it was dangerous waters. And yeah, they're yeah. a couple cool guys. But I again, really they them. didn't just like, you know, do that out of their own pocket. The oh, they got sponsors. That's what I'm saying. Man, yeah. do was a big sponsor yeah, for man. those guys. Yeah, uh, I forget the rest of them, but well, uh, and yeah. my point of bringing them up was that that to me is probably what it's going to take to get the financial backing on. Mm. 
Like, let's just say you get a half a dozen teams to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you're talking like a million dollars worth of money is going to have to. Absolutely. That's just a total ballpark amount to, like, fund everybody. And then a, a charter guide at a homer. Right. Okay, he charges right. X amount of dollars a day to take a charter out. He's going to go out for, what, a week yeah. or two on this run and run fuel and his boat and on maintenance and all the shit. Like, Don't forget the crew. Well, I'm just saying, it, a yeah. lot of money has got to basically come out of, you know. It's an expensive trip. Someone's pocket. To, to make this happen. I, I feel like to, or or to Jack's point, like the those little runs, build momentum, getting Absolutely. people involved, getting them excited, making them feel like there's content to sell to make it worth Sponsoring the race. Unfortunately, that's like the world said, we live in. We got to break the ice. We got to get it rolling. Yeah. And then, yeah. just like yeah. I told John back in the day, we got to do something to get the get the ball rolling, get it broken, get it going. Yeah. So, so you Ron, need really passionate people that like do yeah, what you yeah, guys did in yeah. two thousand nine. But you need a lot of them in their own groups. I disagree. So you guys, I got think a small number doing it at first will break the ice enough to where it it, it tantalizes the second run to grab a larger crew. Love that what, word, man. What I, what I'm getting at is that like. You guys had your first kind of, you know, run at this, the trial. What did you call the trial? It's called uh, Paving the Way. Yeah, the Paving the Way. But I believe it's so aged now that I think something else needs to happen to break the ice again. To to uh, re-stir and uh, re-ignite everyone's uh, interest or drive. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that you guys had five of those guys, right? All you need is one of those guys and five other new groups. To do it. To do it yeah, for sure, right. but you need this other these other experiences to get though to find those people because they don't know they want to do this yet. Wait a minute, get your skis, let's go. It's not my Bring thing. I'll video. do the three day one. Bring your video. I, I it's I'll not my thing either, but I would days. love to come cover it and be part of it. Or if I had the time to get on a on a support I can pull boat three. And just be part I can of pull it. three wild gals together with me, my two others that I can probably pull from my pocket, and we can do this that like right now have and can do, like have the equipment, gear, and, and everything. do it. Like yeah, I wanted to ask real quick before I lose that my thought on that. What are you and or any of your original crew OGs doing? to date since 2009 to stay fresh to keep your equipment right to are you still going out and riding are you Absolutely. still doing runs and expeditions and picking up the 80 miler now yeah 55 oh, okay. is old school oh, oh gp shit. 1800 yamaha okay mm-hmm. so now you've upgraded nice. your 80 equipment. mile an hour on the water and be careful on your turns and bring extra gas. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the efficiency is actually picked up. Because you went from a two-stroke to a four-stroke? All four strokes. Okay. Those are four strokes back in the day. But the original they kind of They were first like four strokes, but they were still four strokes. Four strokes. Yep. Mm. Yep. Interesting. That was something we had to do to make sure we weren't infusing in because we were near uh, whale birthing areas in Kodiak. Also, oh. down at Homer, we were near the bird sanctuary because we oh, no shit. two strokes, stuff no birds, too. no two strokes could roll. Had to have four. Do you think ten years later now that there might be some more pushback from certain agencies, environmental type uh, groups that that might try to impede your ability to put this together there's been so much was then. there's been so much pushback to that i can't argue with you that's a very valid thought because we are about saving the environment and knowing how we as humans are supposed to be doing a lot of this deterioration that's going on yeah mm. i could see that however the four-stroke jet ski does less 
impact than any single fishing vessel does on the planet. I would agree. I don't care about Alaska by itself, but any fishing vessel or tug or uh, ferry or anything else that deals with anything else in the water, the jet ski by the piles can't come close to a single commercial vessel. It's not polluting the water nearly as much. It's not. They can stout all they want. Mm-hmm. And it used to be the noise, okay? Noise mm. used to be the big deal. Mm. Now, they have no holding ground on that because the noise decibel level has dropped with the four-stroke down to a level where we're less than an airplane, even at, even at landing. And I'm not talking about takeoff. So, there is there is that, and, and, and I'm not badgering. I'm just saying that of that, I don't think there's any real real um backing to where they could shut it down because of that now because i know homer well enough and i know kodiak well enough there are some protected waters Mm. homer for instance is one of the largest bird sanctuaries on the planet okay Mm. we have birds coming from around the world so that is an area where you don't need to go up past the spit and you don't need to go over into where their bird nesting areas are, around a couple of their islands where they have it, you know. But up it's in Resurrection, you're talking all the way up in, or even at certain areas that's, uh, you know, to the north and south as you come up to the spit. But mm. when you're in the main channel and you stay in the main channel and you're along with the rest of the boats, yeah, you're not close enough to shore to exactly. mess with anything. That's mm. where we get to be where the bad jet skiers are just like bad motorcyclists. They put a bad name out and they give a bad aura and a bad taste in their mouth for folks that say, we don't want some zippy jet ski around here stirring our sanctuary. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm bringing that all up as a, as a whole and thinking both ends, not just trying yeah. to be single-minded. But yeah. Because yeah, it affects everybody. Sure, yeah, that's sure. That's a good point. Good point. Let's uh, let's end it with uh, Jack's trivia. Oh yeah. Oh, I've been. Ja- I Jack, was wondering. Jack, man. Jack said he has a trivia. Jack's and, been out a while. Um, no, the, and, and the trivia has been getting bigger and bigger. Listen, ever since Scotty named it Creeps Trivia, it's uh, oh, blowing yeah, up for sure. It's getting there. Trivia time. Jack Lau. Real creepy. All right. So uh, the world record for the fastest speed reached on a personal watercraft, a jet ski. Are you playing that one too? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Is it incredible what miles per hour? This was done by Uva Perez, and he was riding a turbocharged Yamaha FZR Wave Runner. Ninety six. You can't go over. So you're going 96? Ron's going 96. Oh, so specific. Can you restate the question? How fast can a jet ski go? The world What's record. What's the f- world record? Yeah. I'm going to say 86. Mm. I'll give you a guess. I think I might be a little moderate. You might want to go a little over my number. Yeah, I was going to say 109 miles an hour. I don't know hour. if we're over that good, but we'll see. 109 miles an hour. You're damn close. It was 127. Didn't go over. Now yeah. tell Ow. us exactly what he had again and what it was charged. Yamaha FCR <laughs> Wave Runner turbocharged. Yamaha, did it say what size CC engine no, it I starts out I with? So it's turboed. No, 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 okay, no. so I ran a supercharged Kawasaki, uh, and that's what I burned up heading out to um, Cochrane Bay and back. Mm. And so uh, that'll do 86 on ocean water. 
And I know the GPZ 1800 stock out of the box without any mods would do about 94. Now, I thought there was a specific mile per hour restriction on a stock out of the box jet ski and i was not anymore i thought it was it was 70 miles per hour it used to be like it would just get to 70 and it was like that was all it would do pre fuel injection oh that's why carburetor would only work so well in water yeah that's why i was 76 was tops for a while now and there's never been a restriction it's just about the functionality oh that's just all you could get out of them yep all right. Now it's wild okay, we got another question. Okay. Here we, All go. we got number two. So uh, what's the longest ever journey on a jet ski? So this would be, you know, like your guys, the race. The dan- the but dangerous it's not a race. Boys. It's just a consecutive journey. So By an individual, I like think. Like an expedition? Yeah, there was a group. There was two dudes. Hmm. They went a long ways. The longest journey. I'm curious. And I am inquisitive. I'm, I'm thinking. I don't. I don't know this answer. But I tell you what. I do know a gentleman lives in the state, and him and his wife are circumferencing the globe. Oh well, that's with his jet long. ski. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm, I'm curious about what you know. That is interesting. I, I don't know that. I'm gonna um, say five thousand miles. Mm, yeah, that's my no, guess. I'm, I'm sorry. I disagree with that because there's a whole lot of water. The planet is worth a whole lot more. Well, let's hear the guess then. I've got. I've got. got. I've got. Ten thousand miles. All right, 10, and that's way short, probably. I'll jump to twenty thousand right. miles. Yeah. All right, so it, it it's like a consecutive journey, okay. right? So they're right. not like camping for a long time, and it was uh, ten thousand seven hundred twenty nine miles. Two oh, South shit. African dudes made it over to the United States, and then did the went through the Panama Panama Canal, and then the whole uh, West Coast. Awesome, awesome, North America. Yeah, knowing how how much water's on the globe is why I jumped up to such a high number and. Uh, yeah. What blows me away is when you get into that, like, huge open water and, like, you got nowhere to go. You know what's surprising uh, is if the compass, if you didn't have a good working compass, you could almost get misdirected and do circles. And only oh, because you've that. been out in Alaska to where the waters, you're looking around and you have no land mass in uh, any direction. We didn't direction. even ask about that. You yeah. have no land mass in any la- any any direction. And if you didn't have your GPS and your compass to make sure your GPS was legit, right. to know which direction you need to go. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, like, back to the old days. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't see land, because the ma- majority of your runs that you're doing up here, you're going to see land. Between uh, Homer and and Aleutian, uh, uh, not the Aleutians, uh, what's those islands? Uh, Barrens. Barren, Barren Islands. Mm, between Kodiak and Homer. I could not see the Barren Islands when we left Homer after we lost yeah, no landmass to our rear. Oh, it all of a sudden was no man's land. And that's right. And we could not see those until we finally seen little bumps on the horizon. How long did it take before you saw a little whoop in the horizon? Too long ago. I won't lie to you. I, I don't okay. know. It was a couple it was, hours, it was though. A hump. It was a hump, and it was full throttle action, and just kind of wanted to get there before it became uh, hazily dark. You know, it's May, so oh, it ain't like burr. Well, yeah. Well, it's it was a beautiful May um, in '09. <laughs> it, it was unlike our recent May. Okay, it was it was freaking gorgeous. We had nice oh, weather, okay. but uh, what made it nice was the winds were down. Uh, the clouds weren't there. We had twilight. So in and general, so, you had good weather for that yes, run. Yes, till we crossed uh, Shelikov Straits. Mm. That's when the wind picked up and we got nasty weather. 
The tides were just ripping through there. Oh, my God. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Yeah. Because it's just a really an alley where the water's just pushing. The way the wind pushes and the way the water is and the shallowness of the water that's there is oh, why. it makes it really ripple. Is and why. Just, oh, makes the waves just beat. Like washboard, like Thrash tight, the shoreline. Tight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's old piers that are still standing. The, the posts are standing. The piers are demolished and gone. There used to be a place there. Mm. Just there got pounded. Done. Mm. Yeah, including the buildings. They're all thumped down to nothing, too. Just skeletals of, of residue wow. buildings. Wow. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I like the uh, like that information. That's, that's All right, good. we got one more. Oh, we got okay. one more. Oh, 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 oh bring it on. Hey, don't forget the music. Shoot, don't forget the music. Oh, bring it on. Let's yeah. get the music yeah. on. Hold on a second. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. All right. Getting real creepy, guys. Some real creepy. <laughs> so this dude for his son wanted to... To do a race for charity and break a record. He wanted to break the longest open ocean journey done by uh, a jet ski unsupported. He was a Finlander. How far did he make it? Unsupported. Do we know what machine? It doesn't say. Unsupported? Yeah. and I, I'd go for uh, 90 miles. See, that's like what I would have thought. So you're going to get mad at me. 90 no, no. miles. I like new Unsupported. Unsupported, like... All by himself. Him, himself, and I. Self-contained fuel. It. It's like, like, unsupported. There's a whole story I read earlier, but it doesn't talk about the I don't know if he's specifics. packing extra fuel or nothing. I just took a def- tank range he, and he figured... He definitely did something. All right, okay. I'm going to go 200 Damn. miles. Damn. Okay, yeah, because unsupported, I mean, the range of jet ski and fuel... Um, we don't know any of that, right? We don't know if we he's don't got know. extra fuel. I, I, mean, I, I don't have any. It's just unsupported. He's going for to is break it an amazing the Guinness answer? Book. He's is it going an amazing to, answer? Yeah. He's going to break the Guinness Book of World Records oh. for longest oh. unsupported. Oh, wait a minute, then. i got to change my answer. Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> you go ahead. Change for it. Charity. No, change I'm, it. I'm, I'm thinking there, here. Go ahead. Can, go can. ahead. I mean, the, your your Dennis guess Book. was good for because you you know you well, I thought it. stock, and I just thought you know uh, tank yeah. kind of it says unsupported, unsupported, but unsupported. And open kind of ocean vague. jersey open. journey, so okay. he doesn't go to shore. And he's a Finlander, so he's got a lot of water space. Seven hundred fifty miles. Ooh, that's Ooh. a big number. Uh, that, that, I mean, there's no. I mean, got seven fifty. Come on, man. Okay. I'm gonna say four hundred. All right, four hundred. All right, there I'm gonna stick go. with my guess. Two hundred. Yeah. So. 1910. What he made it from uh, his hometown in Finland to uh, Spain. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. You but are, there's no to the cool we, details we want. Yeah. So like, that's why I was like, you're going to get mad at me. No, so I'll no, do some more good. research and, and send you a text. That means he, he got fuel along the way. There's yeah. just no way. There. He had to do yeah. some. Yeah. But well, it's I was thinking supported. I was thinking how much fuel it could carry is right. why I thought that. Well, that's why I thought that too. I know calculating my route, what I could do with the fuel I packed on board. I'm just under 450, and not knowing the machine, not knowing the water, and that's why I kind of stayed. Yeah, the oh, unsupported things. So I, I had asked that question, but we kind of wrap hold off to something else. So the range when you're like, I'm leaving the port of Seward, and I've got all my fuel, and I'm going from this to, to here. Depends on how much all my fuel is. Q. If I've got four or five gallon tanks, do I have two 15 gallon bladders? What do I have for fuel is why I bring that up. Because it depends on your fuel to what your range is. The stock tank is 15 gallons. Mm. 
can get you how far? How many miles what, per gallon? Depends on the engine. Like depends roughly. on the weather. Yeah, give me an average. Depends on how thump total you're throttling average. it. There's Just total average. There is no average because how much weight are you packing? You're packing survival. You're heavy. You're in the water deep. What if you're so just on a lake? If you. you can all day long thump it, yeah, that's uh, 100 miles to 15 tanks. Okay. 15 gallons, I'm sorry. Well, if like, you got a light package, you're leaving Whittier, and you know you're going to make it to Valdez, and you got your little bit of clothes, of change of clothes, and a little bit of like emergency survival whatnot. Gear, like yeah. the race we're going to do this summer. 100 miles. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get it permitted tomorrow. You're going to lend me a sled, Play and we'll on a, go do it. There's no lending. <laughs> you, it's like owning a bike. You got to get your own. Yeah, I got to find a lender. <laughs> you got to get your own. I don't have a spare. Better borrow one from the late kids I, at Nancy. I don't lake. have a spare. But I, I tell you what, you can you can start a fundraiser. I don't need charity. I'll get you a smoking deal. <laughs> I don't need charity. No, no. I, I'll borrow a little kid's uh, I know a Nancy certain, Lake one. I knew a certain company in town, and if uh, I harass them enough, knowing I'll go to Florida to get it delivered, they'll give us a smoking deal. We'll give you a couple skis. But so before, before we wrap up, I have to ask, so what? What's on the horizon for Ron? On like it's yes. winter time, so the jet ski's in the shop in the garage right now, being rebuilt. The one I blew up. Oh, I bet you are. I bet you're getting it all modified and tricked out. What are you doing when the ice breaks? What is your first run? What are you looking to do? Do you jump in the lake? The AR two thirty. The AR two thirty gets dropped in Whittier as soon as the weather gets above forty. Okay. Okay. So and I'm out a- fishing. And you're out uh, dropping shrimp pots. The jet skis will not start at 15 above zero, just so you know, because I've tried. Mm. It has to be 20-ish or warmer, or they won't fire. Like the starters just simply won't turn the engines? Oh, no. They'll crank over. Oh. They won't fire. You can't get spark. You can't get fuel. You not can't at get it 15 degrees above zero with moisture in the air. Is that won't do it. pre or post EFI? That is EFI. Oh, you guys are getting uh, technical, man. You electronic fuel injection. Yeah. So I'm just thinking yeah, carbureted, no, I'm you could know. probably fire it up colder. That's why I watch the temperature. If it's 40 degrees or warmer, I'll drop a boat in the water in a minute. Oh, okay. As long as there ain't too much ice. There you go. That's mm. why I love my AR-230, because it'll that, roll. That sucker will fire right up. That's right. That's cool. Nice. Put your warm clothes on, let's rock. So what do you got, like, <laughs> a full, like, what do you got, like, a full, uh, Armada of fucking jet skis? I mean, you got the boat. You got the... Hold on. The ra- <laughs> Are we done? Because you mentioned no, I mean, toys I asked earlier. Question. Yeah, you asked I mean, toys like, earlier. I, I, I have to know, like, how many jet skis do you have? Two there jet skis, two motorcycles, two boats, two trucks, two deep convertible Jeff Lund, hot listening? rods. Listen okay. to Jeff Lund. And I'm trying to unload some of my gear because I got a little bit too much and I can't afford to fix it all. Okay. Yeah. That's well, honesty. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. honesty in its boats. Okay. So there's two jet skis, a jet ski boat, right? The Yamaha's like a jet ski That's boat. That's right. right. The right. other boat is not. All right. All right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Those aren't cheap. No, so, sir. No, no, no. Don't thank have you. So many of them. <laughs> I only make so much. <laughs> you and me both, brother. I hear you now. I don't have that and rich tree. Boats, I was pluck a couple of expensive damn things you can buy too. Is there a printing press in here? I thought I seen one. I want to buy. I thought I smelled ink. Not yet. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. It, no, I'm just kidding. It, it, the toner's out. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, hey, I come back tomorrow with some toner. 
There you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, visit alaskawildproject.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please leave us an Apple podcast review. Be on the lookout for the meat party February 19th. Tickets coming on. Um, we will be having our merch at Barney's Sports Chalet uh, coming Ooh. soon. We're expecting that probably that right, right, right when this um, podcast hits. Uh, we're trying to get that. Please become a Patreon. Um, you can go to the website. That's probably the easiest place. Scroll down to the Patreon link. $5 a month. We are coming out with new stuff um, for the Patreon thing. We appreciate everyone's support and stay wild, Alaska. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Do you remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness? Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Looking to buy or sell a home? Look no further than Alaska's number one real estate team at alaskashometeam.com. Decades of local experience knowledge and expertise in a competitive real estate market alaska's home team makes buying or selling your home a breeze give them a call today at 907-277-3777 lady with the plan your own alaska event planner from scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings retreats birthdays bridal and baby showers find lady with the plan on instagram the Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th, handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products, such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreeHouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. Fuck.
troops march as well as the enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.